My name's Ed Piscor. I do a comic uh, called Hip Hop Family Tree, and you're listening to 11 O'Clock Comics. <laughs> different audio envelope this week Echo sounds very different wonder why they'll know why after the intro they will yes but it is new york you so should already guess ray charles can see this coming oh nice okay, remember i saw what you did there that is a man georgia Mm. Hey everybody, it's 11 O'Clock Comics, episode 875. Damn! Live, mm. sort of, yeah. from Casa Wood, yes, sir. in beautiful New Jersey. In each other's parts. And I am Vince B. You are Vince B. I'm, I can see you right across the table. Because I'm here. I am David A. Price. That is true, and of course I am Ambush Bug. Oh, bring down the room. Right out the gate. You're not the ambush bug. You're Jason Wood, everybody, here together on this, the eve of New York Comic Con. And you all know what that means, that we gather together at Jason's home. We're all live in the flesh. We can see the reactions of our words. I can pinch you. Like <laughs> Jason's going to be eye-rolling, uh-huh. making that squinty-ass uh-huh. really? thing. Yeah. Really, David just be blinking at me. So uh, remember, everybody, this episode has been brought to you by CheapGraphicNovels.com. What? CheapGraphicNovels. If you want to pay less for omnibus editions, trade paperbacks, manga, just go on over to CheapGraphicNovels.com. They have everything you want. Remember, there's two things related to CheapGraphicNovels.com that you should remember. The first, Nick and Dent sale is in effect. Lots of stuff. Available at a fraction of the cover price. Huge fraction. Know this. When they say Nick and Dent, you'd be hard-pressed to find, said Nick's and Dent's. And the second thing you need to know is that you will place an order because you love to save. That's who you are. And you'll get an email message. And you're going to reply to that email message saying, Hey, my dude, 11 o'clock comics sent me. And they will gift you with free shipping on your next order. It's insane. It's beautiful. It's a wonderful thing. Take advantage of it. CheapGraphicNovels.com You may notice by now that there is a blanket of static going on in the background. We don't know why this is. But I'm going to try and fix it in post like they say in the business. I'm going to fix that business. Fix that in post. Um, so I hope I can do it. If not, Endure. I don't know what to tell you. We, we th- There are gremlins that run around the wood abode that just love to pop up on this night. It's we, a hatch, man. We de- it, it pisses me off that we could we could record this episode on a cell phone better than what we have right now with $100 microphones. It's weird. It doesn't, and, and a $3,000 Mac does not make sense. It doesn't. So anyway, enjoy this for what it is, and um, yeah. We're going to try to make it up to you next week. Oh. I don't understand what that means. Because we have a guest. Oh, you meaning the listener. Yes. Oh, yeah. Not you, Vince. Well, that'll definitely make up for it next week. <laughs> for real. Yeah. Yeah. 
If it comes to pass. Yes. It's true. Yes. So uh, before we get into the drink roll call, I'm going to tip out a little bit of, of this beer. Well, no. If, if the amount of liquid spilled is in uh, any relation to the, the target of the spillage, then I should pour out a couple cases. For sure. Because um, Keith Giffen has passed. Mm-hmm. Just found out. Yeah. Extremely important. Only 15 minutes ago. Creator. For, and everybody has a different love era of Keith Giffen. Like, I'm loving well, a lot of it. But, like, Trencher's my shit. Mm-hmm. Big old stiff middle finger. I'm doing it this way. Mm-hmm. And some people love the Legion. Some people love the uh, uh, Ambush Bug. Yep. And Lobo. Lobo. League and Lobo. And Rocket Raccoon. There's so much. There's a lot of image stuff that he did, too, which is ridiculous. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah, uh, Keith Giffen has left us. Uh, Remember all his wonderful works. If you're not uh, a Giffen convert, then get your ass to a comic shop and buy some Keith Giffen works and read them. And you'll understand why. Um, You know, we can never give back to the dude for all the stuff he's given us. 70 years young. Yeah. And he had just joked on the social media the other day that he uh, got out of going to New York Comic Con because he was sick. Uh, cool face. Yeah. So he passed away from a stroke for those who don't know. So it wasn't expected. R.I.P. Keith. Yeah. So what am I drinking? Well, actually, I'm drinking an IPA, thanks to Jason. This is from Rogue. It is the Bat Squatch. It's pretty good. Hazy India Pale Ale. The I uh, the uh, ABV is six seven I think five seven yeah six seven, six, seven. so yeah, I'll have seven. to have a couple more of them but yes it's very good dare risk and dream I love the illustration like that's one of my favorites I, figured, that's what I, I, out, yeah. I have this can at home oh nice okay. yeah good. it used to be on my windowsill but now the, right on. the cat knocks them off so. yeah I went to the stove trying to figure out which beers to get you and I focused more on the art than uh... <laughs> who cares how it tastes it's cool. from IPAs, no know. it's usually a good bet. Yeah. Because the nicer the art, the more budget they have for the production, the bigger the brewery, I would mm-hmm. think. But that's probably bullshit. Whatever. What are you drinking? Well, Dap and I are both drinking Close de Argentine Grand Corte Red Blend Reserve from Argentina. What were we having earlier? Oh, that's a good question. Okay. There was another red. Yeah, we were drinking a different red earlier, but uh, yeah, we're getting, at it. Yeah, getting after it in celebration of our in-person. First time we've seen each other in 363 days. Oh, yeah. So. This is a 50% Malbec, 40% Cabernet Sauvignon, and 10% Cabernet Franc. Yes. Franc. 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 Yes, That's a Einstein. nice word. Mm-hmm. It's French, isn't it? Franc. Yeah. Frankenstein. Frankenstein. Yes. Conceptual continuity. I have a Frankenstein book to talk about. Ooh. Yes, you yeah. do. I saw your list. Check you out, Stale. I saw your yeah. listicles. It was, it was a really good week for comics. What? Yes. Love, yes. Stupid silly. Really, really good. A um, little bit of nostalgia. <laughs> Dap and I'll tell you about that. Yep. Um, a lot of the creepies this week, and not not the magazine creepy, but in in keeping with the season, the creepies and the crawlies. I didn't read any scary books this week. That's your problem. <laughs> I watched a bunch of scary movies and they all stung. I, I saw which ones oh, you watched. I could have shit. directed you yeah. to know. You know, just, you know, you, like you make a list of like random, and I'm like, mm-hmm. I'm just going to go through the list because my goal is to watch you know 15, 20 joints over the, over the month, but. They've all stunk so far, so... One of the absolute best... I don't want to call it a horror movie. It's uh-huh. a monster movie. Okay. Dracula vs. Frankenstein. The classic. 
No. Oh. No. At, um, it is Lon Chaney Jr.'s last role. J. Carroll Nash is in it. Um, Dracula has an afro, and he's Russian. Okay. It is uh, Regina Carroll's in it with her big titties. It, it's it's a, a very low, obviously low budget. Yeah. But it is amazing. Okay. All right. Peep it. Yeah. You know they're making a Blackula review? Huh. It's a good idea. Yeah. Why not? Original is a classic. For sure. Both of them. What do you think of the uh, Conjuring universe? I, uh, I saw the first and never watched the other. Okay. I hated it, but I've rewatched them. If, if you take into consideration, it is a dramatization. Uh-huh. Elaine, bit of a charlatan. Okay. Right? I mean, come on. But I like what they did with that universe. Some of the effects are really well done. They're digital, whatever. Um, but as time wasters, I don't think they're... they're a horrible waste of time. Mm-hmm. No. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm She's kidding. much prettier than the real Elaine Warren. Oh, right. Like a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Elaine was not a goddess. So the music on the eyes? No. Yeah, all I know is that uh, last year I feel like I had an almost perfect hit rate with different harmonies. You were doing good. Yeah. But you were... I, I'll send you some. Yeah, it's cool. Yeah. I'm on the shutter, you know, just hitting play, you know? Could be hit and miss on Shutter. For sure. Yeah. They paid big money for Mad God, and that's an atrocity. Well, we talked about that last year. Yeah, it was garbage. I, mean, I, I hate to say it. I was it for like the first 15 minutes, because I was like, man, like you can see how much time they put into the stop motion. It must have taken forever to make. Oh, uh, 30 years. Yeah, but then I'm like, oh, man, I'm like, this really is going anywhere, is it? And then I'm like, okay, I, I can only watch like people getting covered in poop. Yeah, well, I mean, uh, that's, I'm down no, with but that. Like, but there's no, there was no point to it. It's like, okay, like it's basically it was just so, yeah, I, I thought that was. I was a slob. But he thinks it's his. This is my masterpiece. Yeah. Uh, so say we all. All right. Let's talk comics. What we got? What we got? Let's start off with the big one. Superior Spider-Man. No, stop. No. <laughs> no oh. The mysteries. Yeah, that is a big one. Uh, this is. I wish somebody posted about that on Slack. Didn't Caleb post on that? Every no, I mean when it was announced. Oh, when, when, when right, right, yes. So for for those who don't know what we're talking about, the mysteries is a brand new book by Bill Watterson and Vince, uh, John Cat. I don't know how to Cash. say it. Cash. Okay. Um, the news here, of course, when it was announced, is that this was going to be the first published work from Watterson, aka Calvin Hobbes, uh, creator, uh, in nearly thirty years. Uh, I think his last Calvin Hobbes strip was nineteen ninety five. So twenty seven years, twenty years, um, and and right up. I mean, when they announced it, they made it clear it's going to be a very different project. It wasn't going to be you know a nostalgia romp for anyone that loved Calvin Hobbes. So they were certainly playing fair there. Um, but it arrived today. Uh, I think it hit all the all the stands today. It's number one on the Amazon and New York Times bestseller list. It's it's going to be a big hit for sure. Um, I have to say it is very strange. Now I expected it to be strange given the context and the cover imagery and what it was about, but. But it's um, it's strange in the sense that that uh, I said to these guys when they arrived tonight that if I didn't have this book in my hands because Bill Watterson did it and it was just like something I had pre-ordered from Drawn and Quarterly because I like to try their stuff and read it and it was by someone I had heard of, I probably would have been like, this is whack. You know, um, but because Watterson is doing it, I really tried to look deeper and try and figure out like exactly what's happening here. 
Um, at its core, it's a fairy tale of sorts um, about a... Uh, it could be our Earth, it could be a parallel Earth, but it's, it's essentially a world where uh, in the ancient times there were things called mysteries and humanity was desperate to figure out what they were because they were scared of them. So a king sends his knights out to find the mysteries. They all get killed, save for one who comes back nearly dead with a box uh, holding a mystery. They open up the mystery box, and it's not all that shocking or uh, bewildering. And slowly but surely, they uncover more mysteries, and to the point where humanity gets completely tired of mysteries and don't really care about them at all. Uh, fast forward to what looks like modern times, and we're at a point where... Um, you know, basically nobody gives any power to mysteries and sort of the world is falling apart. And then we fast forward thousands and thousands of years and, and the world is still persisting, the universe is persisting, but it's not clear that humanity persists anymore. And I guess my reaction to it is like, okay, it's a pretty on-the-nose commentary on sort of like, you know, humanity's inability to be imaginative, creative anymore, and also that, uh, you know, we're pretty much destroying the Earth through, you know, eco ecological damage. And that's all fine and dandy, but I don't know, man, like, the way it's structured, is structured like a children's storybook. There's one image on the right side, and then there's uh, two or three sentences, two or three word groupings on the left side. And it's a pretty short, short book. Um, there's maybe, I don't know, 40, 45 images. Um, so I don't know what to make of it. I have to stew on it, honestly. I mean, I read it an hour before you guys got here, and because um, I knew people would want to hear what we thought on it. Um, you know, I guess one of the big points here is that Watterson and, and, and is it Cash? I'm sorry, I got Cash. It. Cash, yeah. They they been, they were friends for a long time. They decided to do this years ago together. Neither had both professor have rarely ever collaborated before, and so this was as much a thought experiment on collaboration for the both of them. Uh, the images are dark. Uh, they look like almost like painted murals for the most part. Very realistic looking. Uh, I came to find out that these were. Um, a lot of these images were rendered uh, in different um, 3D. Like, they would, they would actually hand-construct a lot of the images and then put, like, washes over them or different types of paint effects uh, of, of, of actual images of the real things they were building. So there's some, like, interesting visual techniques to the images. But, you know, I don't know ultimately that it really hooked me in any way because if there's, if there's a big message here about the state of humanity, I don't know it's a message that's either surprising for us, right? Like, we know, we kind of already feel that way about like, what we're doing to the planet. And I don't know that it really offers any any shock value or any, like, hope of, any conclusive like, hope for the future. It's just kind of like a matter-of-fact standpoint of, like, what we used to be and what we are. And that's fine, but I don't know, it just seems like you know, Bill's known, Calvin Hobbes is such a wonderfully poignant look at the uh, magic of, like, everyday life. And this is kind of the opposite. Maybe that's the point. But I don't know, man. Like, I, I don't want to say I'm disappointed because it's not fair of me to label it disappointment since I had no expectations coming in. Um, but it's it's so far from anything that we associate with him, with Watterson, that I just I'd, I'd be really curious to see how this is interpreted in the coming weeks once it's get you know gets broadly read. I don't know. Um, so I'd say it's um I would say this if anyone is. Thinking of ordering this because you love Calvin and Hobbes, and you desperately want to revisit that, this isn't for you. This book has will not remind you of that in any way, shape, or form. You would not know that this is by Bill Watterson, except that his name is on the front of the book. Um, if you're curious what someone like Bill Watterson might do later on in his life, because he wants to do something totally different, it's worth it, right? Like, I find it fascinating for that purpose. I didn't find it very engaging as a story. 
I guess that's fair. Right? Yeah. Is that image on the cover inside the book also? Yes. Okay. Yes. In fact, there's a YouTube video of them talking about their collaboration, and they show um, them making this hut. Taking oh. like cardboard, pieces of cardboard, and cutting them with an exacto knife, and building a hut, and then painting the roof thatching. So, like I said, there's a lot of there's a lot of physical craft that went into making the images that I don't know necessarily is conveyed in the image itself. Were you not aware of that from like the back matter videos? So, yeah, I understand the process. Mm-hmm. Expending time and energy to create a 3D model for a 2D image mm-hmm. is crazy to me. I, I mean, okay, Viewmasters. For decades and decades, that was the way Viewmasters did their thing, mm-hmm. right? For the most part. Um, and, and I love model making and, and tactile hands-on stuff. But the fact that this book took so long... And it's by two greats that are known for not 3D model making. Uh, Cash is noted for his amazing caricatures. Watterson is known for Calvin and uh, and Hobbes. To to just buck expectations and make gothic looking creepy models and figures, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. Yeah. I'm 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 looking at it and it looks great, but... Wow, you know, I'm shocked that that's the avenue they took to mm-hmm. collaborate. But maybe they just wanted to burn some creative energy because Cash's process is, hello, is is very. Um, he has it down. He's, he does characters in a certain way with beautiful thicks and thins, and, and he captures everything. That is so far removed from what he does on a day-to-day basis. Yeah. And same thing for Waters. Yeah. I just, I don't understand the lot. Well, maybe the point is it's not logical. Yeah, I mean, I think they just had an itch they wanted to scratch and more power to them, right? I mean, I don't begrudge them that, but... No, well, I, why I, would I, you? I would have thought there was more of an... The narr- there, the, there is a narrative, in fact... I would imagine they think the narrative is an important part of this, but I thought the narrative was very, like, surface, you know? Right. So. Okay, Sarah Sarabla. I mean, I'm happy to have experienced it. It's an art object, if anything. Sure. Yeah, I mean, and it's wonderfully, it's a square-bound, uh, you know, velour cover, glossy cover image. It's, it's a well-produced book. It's Andrews McNeil, I think, is the publisher. Um, so I have nothing, you know, no complaints on the, the product itself, but... Uh, but yeah, you know, it didn't bowl me over. This was not, um, you know, this was not some like steroids polyp like right. back after a few decades and look like I can still do something. Yeah, get it. Totally get it. 100. 100. Dap. I finished, um, thanks again to Dab, uh, Minor Threats. Um, I laughed a few times. This this is written by comedian, actor, writer Pat Oswalt, uh, and Jordan Bloom, illustrated beautifully by Scott Hepburn, colors by Ian Herring, uh, Nate Picos on letters. Um, it's a story about villains, uh, mostly C-list villains, the ones that uh, really kind of get overlooked when big things go down. Um, and apparently... Uh, Stickman 
is the main villain of the story, and he is, he wants to be, he says he is the main, the arch nemesis of the Insomniac, which is this world's version of Batman. Um, and Stickman went and did the unspeakable, and he basically uh, killed Kid Dust. A.K.A. Robin. Not Kid Dust. Right? What? I know. So Insomniac is going absolutely... <laughs> it's insane. I wonder who the first is going to be. Too soon. Uh, it's uh, Keith with a black man. The, uh, so Insomniac is just going buck wild and maiming everybody he gets his hands on. And his Justice League is trying to put a stop to that because they don't want the world at large to know that one of their own can go crazy and, and, and just go on a murder spree. Um, so the C-listers are teaming up to take Stickman out so that uh, Insomniac can kind of just go back to being his, his normal self. Uh, Playtime, who was the sidekick and the daughter of the Toy Queen, She's kind of running things, and um, and her her group, uh, ragtag at best, do not really work well together. Snake Stalker, we we love to think he was right out of uh, the Serpent Society. He, no. um, his, he answered uh, the LinkedIn. They didn't call him back. <laughs> he he uh, he shows up um, with uh, his. His nemesis, his uh, his sidekick, who's basically been oh, angled. I see that. Yeah, that looks good. Yeah. That's I mean, the thing about that book. It looks well, it looks good. phenomenal. Yeah. No, it's it's a gorgeous book. Going it's in like though, Copperhead actually. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's one name on that cover that dissuades me from reading something all the time. Who's Patton Oswalt? Really? I've really? never read a Patton Oswalt comic that I enjoyed. Huh? But that's what we're I read, I read that free comic book day stand-up thing that, that his name was attached to and blah, blah, blah. I mean, I've read more than one. Okay. Doesn't no, this is, I, but I, I, I look, give this a shot. No, I look through it and I'm like, I got to get this because yeah. Hepburn's art is like freaking ridiculous in this book. Uh, I'm with you on that 100%. It's, it's gorgeous. I know, I saw that and I was like, I get a Hepburn to maybe draw me a service. Yes. Yes, sir. Uh, so, so, um, so, you know, so we have we have Snake Stalker, we have Pigeon Pete, we have Playtime, we have Brain Tease, and Scalpel. Now, are they, like, are they C-listers? Is that what they call Modern Threats? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the back of it says C-listers, but inside they're also called D-listers by some of the heroes. Yeah. It's a rough uh, brother out there. So, uh, so Playtime, her mom, her, her, her mentor, the Toy Queen, she's also uh, Insomniac's nemesis. And because the Insomniac has his trophy room, he has one of the Toy Queen's uh, like boxing glove guns, and she wants that back, and that's like her one regret. She has a trophy room in her living room, and, and that's missing. So she really wants her daughter to like reclaim that for her. Uh, so this group is trying to basically take out Stickman to stop the Insomniac's threat and rampage across the city. Um the twist and turns, and of course, somebody is possibly betraying the group. 
it's it was a lot of fun. I couldn't stop it. it I, I couldn't put it down. I as soon as you start and you get into it, and you get familiar with everybody and this world, it's it's just it's not and it's so it's so well done in the sense that as Brain Tease is trying to figure things out and he's he's a low rent he's it's just he's like a, a, a weak version of, of not even Mentalo but like you know, the, the wizard it's just he's he thinks he's the smartest man in the room and in some cases he is but he's he's planning things out on the way like if, if Stickman had his his leg broken that he won't sleep against the wall in his prison cell and he'd be here next to this window where he could overhear people trying to I mean he's got this whole thing whole thing mapped out it's done really well uh, the resolution I thought it was done extremely well the way uh, the way everybody kind of comes together after so many hours of, of kind of just butting heads uh, how they come across how they decide to take out the insomniac how the rest of the heroes are also trying to they're trying to like round up all the villains so they mm-hmm. take them off the streets so insomniac doesn't go around on a, on a killing spree I just I, I liked it a lot it, it's it ends in a way where and this is a miniseries it's over this, was, this four issue is over but yes there is no. a spinoff like okay. what is it called the alternates or something alternatives the, uh, I'll tell you in a second because I was looking for it while yeah, I'm nothing gets the alternates like see the, 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 the thing about it is they're not playing fair, as far as I'm concerned. They got Hepburn on that book. Yeah, but... Christopher Mitten is on the alternates. It's like, the fuck? I can't say no. Tim Seeley is doing stuff for the, the alternates. It's, it's, I'm done. When you put Christopher Mitten on a book, yeah. take my money. One of my best bargains. Take my money. <laughs> what? Let's <laughs> the car right tomorrow. Bonus content. So, uh, I... I uh, it... it, it it wraps up in a way where it's definitely set so that uh, you can tell more stories in this world with with, with, with these characters. Um, yeah, actions have consequences for some of them, which absolutely makes sense. I I dug it a lot. If I'm, we I'm, see Hepburn, I got to ask him. Like, I'm always fascinated with how um, artists choose their projects, right? Mm-hmm. Like, like not to dismiss this project, but it's a dark horse book. It's written by Pat Nelson, so I wonder, like. Is that was that the draw for Hepburn? Like, is he a, is he a Pat Oswalt fan? It's like he maybe loved the script, or maybe no, Pat no, Patton right, said, "You know I, what? I want Hepburn for this." That's what I'm saying. Like, I would love to no, know Pat like Oswalt how that happened. Yeah, no, well, well, Pat knows a lot about comics. So sure, no, for sure. But I'm saying, no, like, I get Hepburn it. Pretty consistently works at Marvel and DC, so it's yeah. like he had to be lured into this. I assume some way, shape, or form. What's interesting is on the back. So it says the first creator-owned comic series from Pat Oswalt and Jordan Bloom, showrunners of Marvel's Modoc on Hulu, and superstar artist Scott Hepburn. In parentheses, Tom Morello's Orchid. What? Like that is, is that even a thing? <laughs> Wait, what? That's, that's the that's that's the reference they use for Hepburn on the back. Oh, and there's a Polko from Taika Waititi. Oh, from and and Higgins and Apatow and Edgar Wright. So weird, right? Polko from Gaiman. Jesus, I guess that's kind of the wow. Yeah. So I mean, eyes were on this. Yeah, I, I wanted it a lot. I think Scalpel's a great guy. Yeah, I mean, the art looks great. I might have to check. it Everybody out. is is a. All the characters. Maybe I'll wait for. Maybe they'll make a hardcover of all of them. With, with the spinoffs. Oh, too, I'm sure they I'm will. Yeah. I mean, I, I, huge props to Devin for for sending this to me. It's yeah. great. It's a good looking book. I, I, and I mean, I'm not. I'm not 
dumping on Pat. No, I, I think know. he's a funny guy. He is. He's absolutely. But it's just that his comic book work has never really. Worked. And maybe because it's a co-writing, it, it's it'll. Me. it'll uh, but no, I don't want to. I don't want to couch it in that either. Oh, he's the only co-writer. Maybe I'll enjoy it. I like the guy. Yeah. Uh-huh. It's just that the for, books you've read from him, just, they, okay, they haven't clicked, and that happens. It, it, whatever. Uh, I think the cover's great. The art's freaking phenomenal. Completely. I was pulling images for you. I mean, you had me a serpent character. I mean, yeah. yeah. It's well, true. Can... No, you got to live. I understand. Thank you. Yeah. So is everybody trying to get that? No. Then go and check. The, the, snap, the, the snap tickets. <laughs> the, tra- the trade's got a ske- sketchbook in the back from Hepburn with his, with, with his character designs. You've got, uh, you've got variant covers from... Fucking Kevin McGuire and, wow. and Tess Fowler and Francesco and Christian Ward. Facial and features look good on that McGuire. Wow, he should to, look into that. What happened to Francesco Frankenstein? He's he doing covers. covers. Yeah. Oh, he fell on the only cover. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's a bummer, man. He, I loved his work. Yep. Uh, but no, this was I totally, highly recommend. It. Absolutely, get it. Nice. check it out when you can. Nice. That's pretty awesome. Um, you just got ton, done talking, so. Uh, I don't want to tag team on that great book that yeah, came yeah. out. That, that we'll wait, we'll, we'll wait till later. Yep. I did read another Marvel book though. Of course you did. I mean, yeah, Marvel. This for it's, yeah. but it's Marvel's it's older. Oh, it, it's right. a twenty ninety nine. Book qualifiers on it. This is your jam. It's a twenty ninety nine. House of Ideas gives you joy. Yes, uh, twenty ninety nine unlimited number three. Whoa! Why? Why? I bought it for a buck uh-huh. two weeks ago. I'm looking through it. Cover price is what two ninety five. No, it's like, that, the, uh, it's like one of the. It's like that that idea we were supposed to do every now and then. We never do anymore. And was it called the we might pick up long box do, roulette? Yeah. <laughs> yes, yeah. I love it. I do it all the time. I I keep no, that I'm torch lit. Yes. yes, I do. Yes. All right, whatever. Um, but I think it was three ninety nine because it's a it's an anthology and it's about. It may be sixty. It may be sixty four pages. Maybe three ninety nine, four ninety nine. I don't know. I don't. Okay. It's up there. All right. Right. So I'm looking through the book and I'm like, hmm, Spider-Man 2099. What's noteworthy about this story? Not much. Just this, you know, whatever. There's a Hulk 2099 story in it. Hate the Hulk 2099 design. I think it's stupid. Um, I didn't read that either. There's one story in this anthology. It's only 10 pages. It's awesome. Why did I read it? Because it's written and illustrated by Ned Sontag. And you'll be like, who's Ned Sontag? Jason, you're probably thinking that right now. Who's Ned Sontag? I mean, sure, I'm thinking that. Okay. I'll tell you who Ned Sontag is. He came up from the undergrounds. But he, he did uh, a lot of work for Crazy, for Marvel. High Times, he was in Heavy Metal. He was in Myron Fass's Heavy Metal ripoff called Gasm which I still need the third issue of that. Um, but the reason why Ned Sontag's on my radar was because he did some work for the Howard the Duck magazine. Oh, okay. Yes. And I've always clicked with his artwork. Very, very strong, thick contour line. And then he'll go within the figure with a thinner line. It's mm-hmm. He's a very clean line style, but... Loves to vary the line weights, which is awesome. So, so what's the deal with this story? It is a twenty ninety nine upgrade of Kid Colt Outlaw. Whoa! Okay, right? Deep dive. I own okay. Kid Colt uh, art. It's called Kid. It's because it's not relevant to what I'm saying. Um, <laughs> I want to hear more about that. Though. 
This, I guess it's 80 conversations to know I had, but I guess. No, <laughs> he, he, he's not Kid Colt anymore. He's Kid Current. And he's online. So what's the album? That's the name of this. It's Kid Colt Outlaw, Kid Current Online. It's uh, the same cadence, oh, all right? Yeah, Who's Kid Current? Well, he's an AI. Huh? He, he's a construct. He's a, an avatar. And he's he's traversing the the open plane of the digital realm. Let's just say, okay. right? He has a posse. He's got a cyber wolf companion named Cursor. What? Is Are you winning me over now? Right. Uh, he has a, a a trusty steed named Huris. Heuristic. I got you. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he's got a plucky sidekick named Scrappy, like an old man. I'm tooting. I'm coming. Um, but the deal is, oh. Kid Current, who is an AI himself, created Scrappy. So you have an artificial intelligence creating pseudo-life. But within this digital realm, it's life, right? Sure. But but the thing is... There, what was this published? It's 2099, so let's say 90... 90-something. Yeah, around there. Yeah, I, I should have uh, got the date down. I'll tell you... Well, because, I mean, obviously AI and all this stuff is now front top of mind for people. But right, then, you know, right. But everything within the digital realm should have an analog in the physical realm. The mm-hmm. thing about Scrappy... He doesn't have an analog in the physical mm-hmm. realm, mm-hmm. so that that's the, the the noteworthy thing about this. And and the the creation of Scrappy fascinates Kid Current's co-creator and his digital mentor, uh, a man named Duke Stratosphere, who is of the Guild of the Net Gliders, and he arrives just in time to see poor little Scrappy derez. He dies. Wait, what's going on? Poof! The thing just blinks out. Problem is, the meat puppets are messing around with the magnetosphere, and it's throwing cyberspace into chaos. So Kid Current spends the whole rest of the 10-page story hopping around cyberspace, and he uses a flesh bag as a husk and jumps into the physical world. So he's trying to pinpoint the source Mm -hmm. of the disturbances, and he's helped out by somebody who manifests from a flock of Times Square pigeons. You'll never guess. Nikola Tesla. Love it. I'm like, what? This is amazing. Uh, Tesla tells him, hey, the deal is Alchemax is trying, is, is applying Tesla's inventions to tap into the magnetic field to generate free energy. And somebody does not want this coming to pass. So that's what the deal is. Um, Tyler Stone makes an appearance just in time. Uh, to connect it to the wider 2099 universe, but the story could have come from any publisher. It, there's, there's not a 2099 character on every page, is what I'm saying. Okay. And that's why I love this story because number one, uh, Unlimited was an anthology. Mm-hmm. So you could do anything. And this is taking advantage of not only the anthology format, but the fact that anything is possible. Like Ned Sontag, the guy who did Underground Comics, mm-hmm. and he's doing a, a story for 2099. I love it. Um, now, did Marvel do so? From your vantage, is this a one a one off, or did Marvel try and get creative on that on the twenty nine front with this, like in other ways too? Like, did they have other indie creators doing stuff like this? Yes and no. It wasn't it wasn't a commonplace thing, yeah. but they would experiment because there was once the writing was on the wall with the twenty ninety nine universe. They were just like, "Fuck it, do whatever you want." 
Um, yeah, I mean, we've talked about this before. I was never into the 29 minutes. Oh, I love that no, universe. Look at the last couple issues of Doom 29. They brought Ashley Wood in. Yeah, I knew like, that. Like, yeah. what? The, so atypical for Marvel. Not only wider universe Marvel, but the fringe niche 2099 to bring in. Yeah. And they were doing, there was one guy who preceded, I, I don't know his name, but he was a graffiti artist. And it was, it looked like discreets, like you say. Every I'll panel looked like discreets. Yeah. Um, and towards the end of the story, Kid Current kisses a girl. Ooh. Yeah. Okay. Like, oh, oh, yes. It, it's beautiful. And if, if you're in the dollar bins or you're in New York Comic Con this weekend, I'm guessing you'll find this issue for a couple of quarters. Because okay. it's twenty ninety nine. Um it has a really badly drawn um Hulk twenty ninety nine on the cover. I just something about that design, I just think they just they phoned it in. Yeah. Yeah. I just good. don't like it at mm-hmm. all. But you gotta give it up for Spider Man twenty ninety nine. Great design, great character, widely used now. What I with mean, the Spider Verse movies. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So twenty ninety nine unlimited number three. Love it. Yeah, I did too. And if you want to see art from this 10-page strip, hop on over to 11oclockcomics.com, click on the episode link, look in the gallery, and I think I pulled four or five pages from it. It's nice. really good. Nice. Really good art. You just reminded me of something. Um, New York Comic Con this weekend, obviously, so not now, but next week we will finally have, it's been long requested by many of you, the 11 O'Clockers ballot will be open so you all can start logging what you're reading because it's already October. So we've only got two and a half months left of the year. I have four categories already filled in. Love it. They only have 26 more for them. Well, that's okay. Yeah. I Four of them are very important. Yeah. I have a book. You ever... Listen, we have this... We've known each other a long time, so we read books. Like the... Uh, no, no, no. This Like last like last week, I I wanted you to read The um, Midnight Show. Like, I was like, this is a book yes. that Vince will love, right? Like, I thought right. you would like it too, but I was like, this is a Vince book, right? It definitely. So I read a book this week, and I thought, this is going to be Dap's favorite book of the year, once I get him to read it. Oh, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. And uh, and it's called uh, it's called My Friend Toby. It's by uh, Gregory Panaccioni, Italian creator. Um, you may recognize his name. He was the uh, artist on Sea of Love. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah. And this is magnetic. You know, we all we rock for magnetic hard. This is another magnetic book. Uh, came out maybe a month or two ago. Uh, cover is uh, is a is a cute animated dog with his tongue hanging out, running along a country road in the farmhouse, and Toby is the dog. And this book is the best comic I've ever seen that captures what it's like to have a dog and how much awesome it is. Like the book is silent. Uh, I'm, I'm just I'm, since we're in person for once, I'm going to let that through it. The book is silent, and it's basically just uh, some days in the life of Toby the dog, but it it's so accurate if you're observant about how your dog lives and it's like his master leaves and he and the way they render it, since it's silent is they have the dog they'll draw um like uh word balloons but it's just what the dog is thinking and so like when the master leaves like he he'll 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 have like these visions of like his master being killed because he hasn't seen him or like or like when he's hungry he'll be like begging his master and then he'll like just stare at his master and in his head, the, the images will be like of, of, of him being a skeleton because he's died of hunger. Uh, or like, there's someone come to the front door and so he freaks out, he's barking at the door and then like he'll just see like yield and like electric like flashing signs of like danger come up to him. And it's just so wonderful because it just shows you like the pure emotion of like what a dog life is like. Like, here you go, Dap. Like, I'm, I'm just, so here, see, 
like danger. Like there's a there's a cat on the property, and so sometimes he's happy with cats, sometimes he's mad at the cat, but he's always thinking these weird things. He goes out for his walks and he'll sniff like dogs do to find where to pee. And when he sniffs certain spots, like the image will pop up in his head, and he'll like you know pee there when he smells the cat or smells like a random dog. Comes across another dog and like he has his visions of like him getting married. It's very very cute and clever. Um, and like I said, it's all silent. It's mostly six panel grid. It's uh, I mean I'd say what would you say? It's like uh, uh, I guess it's watercolor, right? Like it seems like it's watercolor to me. Maybe not. Maybe 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 ink. I don't know. What do you think? What do you think, Vince? It's like. I mean, it's 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 very it's a very like loose cartoony yeah. illustration style. Um, I guess maybe it's not watercolor. I don't know. It seems like it's watercolor. No, it looks background. from over here. It looks like watercolor. Yeah, yeah. But I just love I love Could the art dies. style, and it's just basically this dog's life while his master goes through a bit of a life journey himself, and it has a very happy ending. But um, if you love dogs, cats, if you're just an animal lover, and you really get into like, you often sit there and watch your dog and think, what the hell are you thinking right now? Like, why are you doing that? <laughs> This book is like the epitome of that, and I've never read a comic that I thought really captured what it must be like to be a dog before in this way. And so I give uh, Panaccioni like just all like I just read this and put it down with such a huge smile on my face. I thought if Dad doesn't like this, we gotta stop the show because I don't know him well. So uh, yeah, just no for real. So uh, my friend Toby by Magnetic, you can get it. Like Magnetic has big sales every probably every six months. They have like big yeah. Sales. So if you haven't pre-ordered it, you'll be able to find this. And I mean, as you know, we, we are big fans of almost everything that Magnetic does. So generally speaking, when they have one of those sales, like you can't go wrong to like just pick up a bunch of stuff. But I just thought this is an absolute treasure for any pet lover, any dog lover. You're going to absolutely enjoy this book. And uh, yeah, I'm here for it. So my friend Toby. You see, uh, there's a Magnetic Kickstarter right now, right? With Matt, by Matthew? Yeah, Matthew Babelay's got, there's a new Kickstarter for him right now. Yeah, they, I mean, they do a Kickstarter like once a month, basically, because yeah. then yeah. They, they, they follow those up with, um, they, they obviously do the Kickstarter, and then they put it in previews the next month, usually, so, yeah. I mean, you right. love dogs, too. Love them. Yeah. Yeah. But you don't have as big a heart as that does, when it comes to these kinds of things. It's true. I don't know. Is it, though? I don't know. Well, it's... you like to pretend you don't have a big heart. Right? This is true. I love my. Life. I mean, if this is dog, if this is my my cat Toby, right? Yeah, I would. My oh, cat Acorn, your favorite book. Yeah, I love animals. Yeah, I do. You're more of a cat. I, I've been converted to the joys yeah. of cats. Yeah. Yes, mm-hmm. they are. Um, if you guys remember, longtime listeners, Dap and I used to do a podcast before we did this one. It was a, it was a two person show, more often than not, called Bullpen Bulletins, and there was a a, a, a lot of Airtime devoted to a particular character. <laughs> yeah, I'll say. Yeah, written by somebody who, who understood the character yes. for a while. We're talking about Dan Slot and uh, Spider Man, um, and and we followed Dan Slot's little um, career as it it uh, twisted and turned and went into areas unexpected. And one of those unexpected areas was making Doctor Octopus Spider Man. He and played the long game with this. Oh, because, for real. Like, in issue 600. Yeah, that's when it happened. Is when Peter put that helmet on. Right. And that's when he was, and that's when Otto was able to capture Peter's brain pattern. Yes. And then a hundred issues later. Really long game. Defeats. Couldn't even, I mean, maybe what if they took him off the book <laughs> in between then? Unless he had a contract. Yeah, well, I. So yes, we love the hell. Out of Superior Spider-Man. Well, wouldn't you know it? 
this Wednesday, Marvel published a book called The Superior Spider-Man Returns. Supposedly, Dan is responsible for the story. Yeah. Why supposedly? Because Christos Cage is the writer. Is the writer. He's the script. But part of Cage, the uh, Christos Cage is part of the uh, that, that brain trust. But he also, one. but but he did write the most recent twelve issue Superior Spider-Man story that right. um, Hawthorne illustrated that uh, took Otto to at West. So Gage has been. Did that, was that a flashback from the like, No, no, no. That was that. He was his own. He, oh. was, he was a Superior Spider-Man out west. What I mean by supposedly is you don't know how this information was passed right. from slot yes. to Gage. So he could have been over drink saying, "Here's what I want you to do," kind of sort of just manipulate him into this, right. like this position. Right. Yeah. Slot pitches it, but then right. he doesn't have time to do it. And Chris was like, "I got you." Right. But what made me appreciate this after you told me about it? was the creative team, aside from the storytellers, is everybody who's ever worked on the Superior book with Slot, or even Spider-Man with Slot. Right, right. Because the pencilers, Mark Bagley, Ryan Stegman, Umberto Ramos, Giuseppe Camancoli, you got inkers John Dell, J.P. Mayer, Victor Olazaba, and Edgar Delgado, of course, is the color artist. So it, it's it's really well done. Um, it, the framing sequence is that uh, we got some uh, auto monologuing about how he was trying to find a new avenue into fusion technology. That's how he became fused with the, the tentacles, right? Um, and it never really went right. And he knew he was making uh, headway into it when... His world fell out from underneath him, and he found himself, blah, 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 in a new body. And some of the details during that period are not entirely clear. Um, and the rest of the issue is flashbacks of Otto as Spider-Man. And it's a, a, a series of, uh, if, if this story was a Tetris game, you would win. Because the pieces for Otto fall perfectly into place. Mm-hmm. Um, he He's going after... Uh, a villain called Slide of all characters. This, this was a character who, who, when the Falco and Friends right. were on Spider-Man, Amazing Spider-Man, that's when this character showed up. Slide with a Y. Yeah. yeah. The thing about Slide is his costume neutralizes friction. Mm-hmm. So that's useful. It's like living KY. Yeah, okay. That's useful. Oh, I'm sorry. Dainty all of a sudden. No, I'm not dainty. And uh, Slide... Stole something. That cardiac is he show up? No, sadly. We like cardiac. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. What was the element? Tritium. Tritium. Yeah. Yeah. Tritium. Uh, no, tritium. Tr- yeah, tritium. Tritium. An element that is also very useful to Otto's plan. See, here's the deal. Um, cops come. They're like, "Hey, Spidey, thanks for." All this stuff you want us to take Cops care. Like they do. You want us to take care of this, and, and Spider-Man, Spider-Man, aka Otto, is like, no, 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 no. I've I've taken care of it. I've I've neutralized the costume. It's it's away, and I've 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 taken the. the Unfortunately, the tritanium was the the, the tritium was washed away. Washed away during the incident. He he's he's skimming. He's yeah. taking the stuff from because Slide is about. He's lying. He's still. But before he could finish a sentence, he's his mouth is wet. Yeah. Down. Okay. Um, so he uses these things to try and, um, gain, 
uh, headway onto the fusion process, but he can't do it alone, so he needs an assistant. And he brings in this young lady, uh, Ms. Lopez, and she's whip-smart, right? Um, she becomes his gal Friday, basically gets to the point with Otto that she's finishing his sentences, and it's her, it, it is she. This isn't the midge, right? Stop. Don't call Anna a midge. No. No, it's not Anna. Anna. Dude, no. Anna does appear in the no. story. I know, he hates Anna. I love Anna. Anna. Anna's the best. I, she is. Anna's perfect for Otto. There's one line in this book, I'm sorry for stepping on it, where something happens and Otto just wants to celebrate. And um, shit goes south and all of the 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 power goes down. And Otto says something like, um, he doesn't want to get involved, but he wants to get involved because Anna may be at risk. Like, that's his motivation. Not going out and doing what's right, going out and getting to the bottom of it because it could affect the woman that he loves. Like, that's awesome. And, and to your point, when he's talking about getting an assistant and you asked if it was Anna, he tells her, no, no. You're not my, you're not going to be my assistant. She's like, "Why? Well, I'm too dumb. I'm too frail." He's like, "No, no. I need an assistant so this way I have more time to spend with you." Right. Oh. And this is Otto. This is oh. the best, right? So he, he she basically answers uh, finishes his sentences, but it is she, this Lopez okay. woman, or she's a young lady yeah. that suggests that Otto invert the equation, mm-hmm. and that makes the process work. And he's like, oh my goodness, this is great. I'm glad I came up with this idea. And he gets on the phone and he's like, Anna, well, first he goes, we're going to go to Tavern on the Green. And Lopez is like, this is awesome. I've never been to Tavern on the Green. Boop, 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 boop. Otto picks up the phone. He's like, Anna, get your best dress on because we're going to Tavern on the Green. And mm-hmm. Lopez is like, the fuck? Because I, I he's should on the be, phone, he's like, I did it. I figured it out. I like, should I be celebrating because, but it, it was she that figured it out. So mm-hmm. she's, she's got a little bit of a bone to pick with, with Otto. She feels, um, Slighted. discarded. Yeah. And, um, she goes back to the lab and fucks around with stuff and ends up becoming, uh, you know, it's typical, it, it, it's reminiscent of a lot of origin stories. She's, she's pelted with, this strange fusion energy, and she becomes supernova, which is a cool. Oh, Anna not, gets powers? No, 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 no. no Estrella. This is Anna, this, you're not listening. No, I am. I'm, you're mixing women. You're... Yeah, Anna's only in it for a couple of scenes. Okay. That's it. Uh, but the thing is, the thing about it is, she, he encases her in this dodecahedron. A the the, the frictionless material from Slide. Right, the tritium. He encases her in this dodecahedron and basically forgets about her for X amount of years. But also not because he wants to forget about her. As the framing sequence at the beginning, he doesn't remember why. Right, he doesn't, he doesn't know what the hell is in this device because of the, because of the brain transference, the oh, body okay. transference. He's, he's like fuzzy. Something fuzzy. Something's he's like, I know I did something, right. but uh, and and he just opens the wrong panel, a crack. And she comes out. And she's going to fry his ass, but this is not the object of her right. of her she scorn. Wants to, she wants Spider-Man. She wants, but she, of course, doesn't know that at the time, Spider-Man was Otto. And here's Dr. Otto. So here's the right person in front, in front of her, her that she right. wants to take out, but she yes. has no idea this chubby bitch yep. in front of me. This is not the hot man that... Dude, hilarious. 
Chris, I can't say bitch, but you can say chubby bitch. Well, no, I don't reason chubby bitch. Chubby bitch. Anyway, so this is a, a one shot, but yeah, but stop not shaming. I'm shaming Otto. He doesn't even exist. Yeah, um, and he's going to use Supernova to get his revenge on his most hated arch nemesis, Spider-Man. So that's where this the Superior Spider-Man series is going to start, but. Not in love with that cover. No, it's no. I, I will say, out of out of all the artists that are responsible for this issue, um, Bagley's at the bottom. Yeah, I mean, of the four, yeah, yeah, yeah. He is. He's he's not as strong as the others. Kevin Coley does a great job. Ramos, I always love seeing Humberto. Stegman's matches are oh great because you know he's got the action. Um, but Bagley basically sets up the framing sequences, and it's fine. It's it's suitable for that. But as far as the meat, the other three artists really easily go. The king of this going. issue is Ryan Stegman. Let's just be honest. He is. He devours these pages. He he owns this issue. There are four artists pencilers on this issue, but it might as well be called the Ryan Stegman. Ryan Stegman if returns Ryan's. to Superior Spider-Man. Yeah, just saying. It's wonderful. A little bit overpriced, though, for a single issue. Forty pages, six ninety nine. Yeah, I know. And it's it's a prelude. It's it's a setup for the new one. But I'm hoping that the um, cover. Yes. Yeah. I'm hoping the ongoing is not flashbacks and Otto in the present day. That's going to get old real quick. Well, how would it not be? That's what I'm saying. If they come up with some kind of a um, mechanism for putting Otto, not in Peter's body, but in, I don't know. Maybe use the living brain. That's what I thought back in the day. I thought Peter was in, his mind was in the living brain. That would have been cool. Yeah. But. Always fucking want to mess with you want a beverage. Yeah, you want a beverage? <laughs> Poor guy. It, 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 at one point, Otto directs one of his lackeys, if the living brain um, is is a fraction of a degree, often his calculations eliminate him. It's like, what? This could, you can't eliminate the living brain. No, it was a great issue. I thought it was a lot of fun. Um, I'm not saying it's it's better than uh, sliced bread, but it was a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. It it reminds. It was nice reading the Spider Man, even though it wasn't our Peter. But it was our Spider Man for thirty what thirty eight issues, yeah, at least thirty. Yeah, because yeah. uh, on the cover it says ten years. Wow. Uh, no, Superior so was we were, a lot of fun. I mean, listen, it was it was weird that. Uh, so wait a minute, time. How are you guys talking about Superior on bullpen? We've been doing this show for fifteen years. Yeah, I may have had my timeline. Yeah, a little yeah. <laughs> I was gonna We were talking about slot though. <laughs> a lot. Yeah, yeah, Spider Man. Yeah, 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 and he that, set yeah, it up. Yeah, well, he set it up a long time yeah. ago. So yeah, I think it would be all right to say that. The, the spider, the brain trust, the Spider-Man brain trust. We talked about them till we were blue in the face. Yeah, like the one more day, the brain new yeah. day. Yeah, yeah. But I'm saying Superior was our time. Yeah, I made the mistake of reading the recently released issue of Amazing Spider-Man. Why would you? Do I don't know. Sense? It is horrible. Yeah. I mean, it, not to bring that. It's bring borderline because I know we all have like different. Can we just talk about a couple more books? But like, I would posit as someone who's read Marvel. Pretty much nonstop for thirty years now. I would, I think I could make a strong case that collectively, like there's always going to be good stuff, right? But collectively, 
moral? Was it a creative low point of those thirty years? Yeah, but the high points are really strong. No, no. Again, I get it. I get they it. They put out eighty books a month. Like, but, there's going to be stuff. But like, yeah. I'm saying, but if you if you were like to take each book theoretically, you read each book and graded each book. And and I, you know, this is all subjective. My personal opinion is that right now, Marvel is at as low, if not lower, than the pre uh, scroll war. No, like the like the the, the pre Marvel Knights Resurrection, like like, okay. like as wow, low, as that low was bad. As low as that, the, the Bob Harris days, yeah, yeah, that's yeah, Chuck Austin X Men days. Yeah, yeah, I really believe that. But wow. again, like there, there are plenty. I mean, there are Marvel books that I read every month and enjoy. I'm not saying it's like all zeros, but I'm saying I just think on average right now it's. There's a scene in the book. I don't know what was going on, but Mary Jane. Has a fucking Yu-Gi-Oh thing on her arm oh. with cards in it, and she's fucking flipping playing cards like Gambit. Oh, so like, and oh, I think maybe she like a tattoo. So no, no, no. It's like a mechanism that looks like. Have you, ever, you ever see the early days of Yu-Gi-Oh yeah. when he had the, the card thing mm-hmm. on his arm, and she's flipping cards all over, and they're glowing. I'm like, the fuck am I reading? Huh. It's it's atrocious. Okay, it is. Li- Peter Parker has the Green Goblin's sins. Or something, and he's dressing up like a goblin, mm-hmm. but he has the spider costume on, he's like and he's he, he's attacking people that he like wants to kill Mary Jane. And wants to? I don't understand it. I don't want to understand it. it yeah. I didn't like it at all. Well, on a much brighter note, <laughs> Hi. I reached out to this to the Slack folks, and again, you all can be a part of the Slack if you join the Patreon tier for that. But Look at you, I reached out to the Slackers and said, "Hey, we're doing live, as you know. So, you got any questions for us? Old school. We haven't even done a question episode in a while." So I got some questions. You guys ready? I got a question. Cut another beer. Yes. Oh yeah. Uh, Dap will get you. It's it's in the garage. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, we'll do. Uh, we'll we'll wait for Dap. But the, so now some of these questions are not like spur of the moment questions. Like we'll have to give them some thought. But we'll try and catch it. Like for example, our buddy Larry says, uh, "Can you give me the top three books published in the last five years?" I mean, that's not like a spur of the moment. I think answer. That's a that's a. I need to really think on it because we've read hundreds, if not thousands, of comics over those five years. I know one of them. Okay. Providence was that uh, within the was that within the last five years? five years? Actually, really. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. We all right, do, so maybe not. I right, have we'll to research do, that. Thank I mean, you. I actually think it's a good question, but I think it's almost like an episodic question. Like, I feel like yeah. Um. So so I mean, I'm not trying to downplay the question. I'm saying like it's hard to kind of do that on the fly. But I realize we do have a lot of new, newer patrons and listeners, you know, that, so some of this ground's maybe been covered for the old school people, but for the new school, it's new. Uh, so our, our, our good friend Raj, who we're gonna see tomorrow, he'll be at the con. Yay! Uh, actually, no, I think he's not only coming through, but we'll see him at the con on Saturday. Says, uh, when was the first con you all decided to get together? Now that's an interesting, or interestingly worded question, because each of, there's a bunch of different ways we can answer the idea of like our first con together. For example, you two went to Chicago with Chris with, without me. What? And that was a Wizard World Chicago, wasn't right? It? No, I'm saying you guys, you guys went to Wizard World. You and I met in person at at episode 300 of CGS. And I met at 100. At 100. Then we became closer at Super Show. Yes. Which was the following year. Uh, I met you at uh, what was our first con together? C2E2 or was it New York Comic Con number two? It may have been C2E2. Because there was one New York Comic Con you couldn't go to, or he yes. couldn't go to. Which one was it? The one where uh, you guys stayed at the Lullaby of Old Broadway. Yeah, so you couldn't go watch him go that year. Mike went to that one. Uh, my cat was sick. Right. Was okay. that the one with the guy jerking off? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
yeah, oh, we might as well get, we might as well go there. We, 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 we stayed at a, back then we were, I guess we weren't that young, but we were young enough and poor that we were cheap and we wanted to all stay in. Yeah, I don't think you've ever qualified as poor. <laughs> Just saying. Collectively, I'm saying. Okay, collectively. collectively. <laughs> you well, With the average of everybody, you guys yeah. down. I was poor at a time, just not when you do. True. Uh, but anyway, um, we, we, but back in the day, we would stay, a lot of us would all get a room together. Like, yeah. I, mean, I, I think that one con, we had like 12 people. <laughs> it was ridiculous. We had a lot. Baker, we had, yeah. it was a but, this, but the one con you're talking about. No, we, that was the Airbnb in, in Chicago. Right. We were staying at a con, and who was the person? Was it, it was Freaky Tiki's LCS owner, right? Yes. So we have a friend, Tim Rackridge, long-time friend of the show. Maybe this isn't a good no, idea. No, okay. no, no, no. Uh, Freaky Tiki. He's like, my dude, relax. No, relax, come on. Uh, and, and we were staying, somehow we got hooked up with, we were all going to share this room, and Tim's, Tim's friend slash LCS owner was also, and we, I don't know if we like came home unexpectedly, or we, but we may or may not have Interrupted, interrupted him something. in in yeah, the in, iPad in, out. In flagrante yeah, I the mean, iPad was out. My man was topless business. You know, more power to him. We, we all do what we do. But uh, yeah, you know, that's a memorable thing. It was. How do you forget that? When I think of concerts, the one that always comes to mind was uh, Loika with the with the condom. Yes, that was that was me. That was great. Wait, we got the room for free. You, you were there too. That was me. Oh, I didn't realize that. Yeah, it was me because it was so. So it was the, I think the second New York Comic Con, I was there, I met Pat, me and Pat got there first, then Dave Wachter, then Vince, but yeah, as soon as we threw the sheets back, there it was, there's a used condom right in the middle yeah. of the sheets, it's so uh, they, uh, they gave us a different room, Right. Pat being in the hospitality industry at the time, he, uh, he flexed some muscles, but we got a room, um... So we didn't stay together at that? Not, not at that year. That, that, that year was pre... That was first? That was second. Because first was him and Marty B. Miller. We didn't together second New York Comic Con? Mm-hmm. You and I did, though, right? We Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Who did the second one? Nobody? No, I was at the second one. I've been to every New York Comic Con, but... No. But not as... Not, not, not no, as... No, not as our crew. Right. 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 Huh. Me and Marty were at the, the first one. one. Yeah, I've been Marty. to the second pretty much. And but we on. didn't stay together at the second? See, it's so funny. You get old, you you, yeah. you you recreate history. Like in my mind, we started the show after the first New York Comic Con and been together ever since. Yeah. So, so the way the way things worked is that first Wizard World that Vince and I went to, that was 06. So that September, but we were doing the show was when Bullpen Bulletin started. It was 06. Eleven like o'clock was, was it? But I, was like, I can't make it. Two thousand eight is when eleven o'clock started. Huh. See, it's so weird because in my mind, you guys went to to the Chicago Windy City, not Windy City, to uh, Wizard World, and I was. You guys asked me to come. I, think I, was, we like, went I, to, I was like, I can't swing it. it. It can't make it happen. We went. Vincent and I think went. I went to. Did we go to two Wizard Worlds? Oh six, oh seven. Oh okay. Huh. And then and then we just and then and we then realized what a good con is, and we stopped going to Wizard World. <laughs> and then so it was New York, and then C two E two, and that started. Wait a minute, because. Are you sure? Because I remember when you guys went to Wizard World, the second one was when Ringo died, right? I don't think it was that. Because I remember us on the show with Neesman, and you guys spent the whole time talking about when Ringo dying, how weird the room was, and how weird the whole vibe was at the con. But that was Wizard World? And I'm like, oh, I wasn't, I mean, I wasn't there, so I'm like, oh, man, that sounds like a bummer. Don't look at me, I don't remember. 
He remembers. Like, I remember early in our show, you guys went to Wizard World, and all of you were there. I wasn't there. And then I was like, how was the show? And then you talked about how Micro Ingram died, and how, like, before, and how it yeah, maybe whole, he's right. brought the whole show down. And I was like, oh, man, that's a bummer. Was it a Wizard World, though? That's, um, yeah. Uh, what else could it have been? See, see, no, see, we went to... My we went answer, to the first week. My answer to Raj's question would be because the, the question is worded in particular. When was the first time y'all decided to get together? I think it's C2E2 because that's when we made it. We all collectively were doing the show. We made the trip. Remember, Chris like brought the he brought the equipment to record. We had, right. we had the table. We all got the Japanese tattoo. people. We all got our first tattoo. At, Remember? At C2E2. Remember the Japanese group that came up to us and they were like, oh, and they were they're clapping and pointing. They had yeah. no idea who the hell we were. Dude, that was such a trippy con because uh, I remember right? the podcast that Nisa, yeah. I interviewed um, Nick Dragata, like randomly. I guess maybe Nisa already knew him. I didn't know who he was because he was doing that, that kids comic thing. The, the oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah the um, whatever. But we got our first tattoo. We, I mean, see, to, to me, like, in my mind, and again, I'm not saying it's accurate because mine's put tricks on you, but. C2E2 1 was kind of like the the first comment I thought like oh we're, we're a thing like meaning like our unit like we were all good friends we we together we had a great time we stayed together we got tattoos we like, did have a good time that yeah. was you know now again like we had met before like I'm pretty sure we had met in New York before that you and I had done this this yesterday but that was the first like EOC yeah like con I think for like I would, I would, yeah we we came in strong and hard yeah yeah tattoos and everything yeah Good old stringer. Good old stringer. I just talked to stringer. I think I told you guys. Yeah. Okay. Uh, T. Thomas wants to know our favorite Giffen work. Um, uh, listen, I mean, I've read probably less Giffen than you guys, uh, just because I wasn't a DC guy. But but I mean, it's probably that the, the road answer. But Great Darkness Saga would probably be my pick. Just because. Mm, yeah. I love that. I love it, that it's story. really hard. What, what do you go with? Um, I I love Video Jack. I know most people don't, but I think Video Jack wow. is great. Well, I epic. Yeah, um, I love Trencher. You do? Yeah, you do. Yeah, you talked about that. And I've got some images of Shadowhawk in my bag for you. He I did mean, an issue of some offhand Masters of the Universe Hordak special. It is gorgeous. Mm-hmm. Uh, Omac is great. Right. Yeah, I like Omac a lot too. I mean, I, I, I never read it. That would, that that probably would be uh, March Hare. But I mean, Justice League. But I mean, Justice League is a collaboration. Mm-hmm. I, I firmly believe Justice League is not. Is yes, Giffen was involved, but mm-hmm. it's Giffen, it's Damon Tays, it's McGuire. It, it, it's a whole group there, right? Um, now you, say, you can't same thing. You can't say fifty two because that had there are so many hands in that as well. Right. The, the, I mean, you could say if, if you limit it to solo Keith Giffen, I'd have to go with Trencher. Interesting. I mean, you were a fan of the Guajaja stuff, right? Oh hell yeah, yeah. yeah. Who, who yeah I mean, I really enjoyed that, but I read it. I read it what like twenty five years after it came out. So right. It's like, you know. Yeah, I'd go with Lobo. Okay. Uh, now, Francisco again, like more. I love your brother, but like. His question is, "What's your favorite story arc? I mean, of all time? Like, I don't, I don't today. Yeah, it's, just... it's a broad question, my friend. I, I don't know that we really can like do you fine tune that and we'll answer. It. Yeah, uh, Bill Z though threw, threw me he threw me a loop. Bill Z's feeling frisky this week. Oh, yeah. it's all right. Do you believe in an afterlife? Now, I think this is an interesting question because he's listened to the show from the start, and I think he knows where we all stand on this. I mean, I mean, I, I'm an unapologetic atheist since I was like 12 years old, so I do not believe in an afterlife." I think you sort of do conceptually, but like... Oh, I definitely religi- do. Not religiously, though. Right. Yeah. 
So that would make you like a. I'm an, I'm an agnostic. An agnostic. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I, I I try to. I always try to figure out if I lean more agnostic or atheist. I. I like to think that all of this bullshit is has a payoff somewhere. I would like end. to uh-huh. think that, but there's there's nothing to tell me that. Otherwise, what's the point? Right. What, what have we learned? Why are we enduring? To make it better for the people after us. Who we will never know because exactly. we just blinked out of existence. Right. I would opine that that's why, uh-huh. and I don't know how deep we're going to get with this tonight, but like, I would opine, and I've tried to instill it with my, with my sons, because I see like some of the traits, and we've talked about this before, like when you're a parent, right? Like, I don't know about where you stand on this, but for me, there's like two sets of, of things that warn you as a parent, right? The things they do that are just like you, like in other words, that you've passed on to them that you don't love, or the things they do that are like anathema to what you're about, so it scares you. I'm the things that bother me more are the things that like I've passed on to them, you know, because it's like I feel like I'm to blame for those right. issues. And they both like my two college bound boys have that that part of them like they want to be like world conquerors, like I need to like conquer the world, you know. And like I try and pass on to them, like you know, again, it's like hindsight twenty twenty, like. All we have is this, like this journey, like from my vantage, again, I'm not, I'm not a really person. All we have is this, this journey we're on, whether it's 50 years, 70 years, 90 years, whatever, like this is it, in my opinion. So, and it took me, I mean, 40 years, I mean, when you guys met me, I wasn't of this mindset, but like I am now. You just gotta really enjoy the, like it sounds cliche, you gotta just enjoy the, the, the now. Like, like, like this is, this is important. Like, like I, like sure. us together is important. You know, like the my trip to Italy with the family. Like that's super important because that's really all there is. Like, like when when I'm when I'm gone, you like like what does it matter what my legacy is? Like, what? Why does it matter if anybody remembers me other than the people that I spent all my life with? Right. So like, so for me, it's like the now is what matters. Like, right. But f- from a creative standpoint. I can understand artists wanting to outlive their work. No, no, you, won't, you mean their work outlive them, right? Yes, it's yes. You said it the other way. Well, it's the beer. No, right. Yeah. Um, th- so just think about it. Like, how many? Isn't that just hubris. That's like anything. no. I don't think it's hubris. No, okay. no, no, no. no. Um, maybe finding comfort in the fact that their their stuff will outlive them. Like, say David Bowie. I, I'm I'm certain. That there will be people listening to Bowie hundreds of years in the future. Sure, that's a long lifespan for a person. Albeit they have passed. He's gone. He's warm food. Right, but to have your identity perpetuated after you've passed to wherever, if anywhere, Mm -hmm. that's pretty powerful stuff. But is it powerful? Because he knew at some point in his life that that was likely. No, he was probably doing it just to make money. Yeah, but that, it became but it became something else after a while, right? It's like we're all art fans, right? Like, I mean, we have tattoos of art. Like, I've got a Bosque, you know. So, yeah. but like Bosque died in his what? He was twenty six, and people are still talking about him. No, no, exactly. But to, does that matter to him? He's gone. Like his life, like his life ended when it ended. It, it, like his, he's he's exponentially more popular in terms of like the value of his art, the perception of his art now. Like his family is insanely wealthy now. Right, like, sure, like, and that's cool. Like, like I'm, I'm actually happy for that. Like, because you know, whatever. Right. But, but like his life, like his journey ended when it ended. Like, like, like it. He made art to make the art, and whatever happened from there is 
literally irrelevant to him. Like he's gone. It doesn't right. like right like like we go to museums, we look at, at Picasso or Monet or Degas, what pick you know, pick your But they're gone for hundreds of years. Like like that that reverence that we have to them, not only does it not conceptualize them, they didn't even ever think about it because they were living in the moment. But you have that. to have reverence for the artist because those works didn't just spring from nowhere. But what I'm saying is We as our it's, our journey like our appreciation of their art is part of our journey. It means something right. to us. But the work it doesn't mean I don't think Monet gives a hoot that I care about his art in the museum. Right, but the work will live on. The really, really mm-hmm. good work will live on, like Basquiat. That stuff's never going to go away. Sure, but it was made by a man named Basquiat. That's what I'm getting. So yeah. there, there's a there's a point where the entity that made it passes on, mm-hmm. but the work is of such resounding what's the word and en- enter mm-hmm. the word here awesomeness right sure that 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 ripples through time yeah you can't make that go away no yeah but, so so in in essence he's no longer around and doesn't care whether but his name is attached to that work because he was the physical thing that made that art. i'm not arguing that the art that someone produces doesn't have value well but life right you can't separate the two though well, i think you can the man though what does it mean to the man? It the doesn't. Well, who can know? Who can answer right. that question? But well, you have to attribute. Well, let's, well, again, like this is going to be ridiculous to try and compare podcast to Boscat. Like I'm not doing that. But like we have said so many times, and we started the show because we were friends for a long time, right? Yeah. We've been doing it for some inexplicable reason for 15 years for the same reason. Fuck if I know. Right. But like all seriousness, I mean, whatever it is. Right. Like what are we doing? I know. Whatever, <laughs> whatever it is, you know, if we all kick the bucket tomorrow in like a plane crash. Like uh, or a meteor crash or something like, like no, I'm saying like whether or not anyone else ever listens to this or forgets it, like it's all irrelevant. Like it's like we just do the show for our own volition, right? Like, do, do we take pleasure in others enjoying the show or like? I don't. No, you do. No, I don't. You do too. I don't. You do too. That's such a lie. It's not number one. It's not a lie. All of the commentary that I spit forth on this show is for two people. No, and sometimes different. I'll say, that's you people playing at home, this is but what... that's it. different than you getting... You get some measure of joy and satisfaction from other people because we have a community and you foster that community. You yes. Yeah, no, no, that's different yeah. because those are real-life people that no, we that, interact that's with. that's what I'm saying. I'm, yeah. I'm saying... I'm saying, like, if we were to all get hit by a comet tomorrow, like, it was worth doing this in our world. Because, like, we wouldn't... We would have no conception. We'd be gone of whether anyone ever knew our character show existed after tomorrow, right? right? If we were gone. But... It was worth doing because we enjoyed it for what it was, right? Like, that's all I'm saying. It's like, I think the same for any art. Like, you have to enjoy the process of creating art for the process. Right? Sure. Like, you may have aspiration of it being more than that, but you probably ultimately don't know, right? Like, you don't know how to, right. you know. So, whatever. I mean, there's no right or wrong answer. I'm just saying, like, I think I, I think about that a lot. Like, you just have to enjoy the moment, you know. Whether it's creating art or just living your life. I, I really wasn't even thinking about it. Right, but then you art. get to the, the, the question, why make art? If you don't care how it's going to be perceived and how... Because how, it's a passion for you. Because you enjoy it. But it's, it's screaming into the void. But if you don't... Maybe, maybe, maybe it's filling your heart. Like, like our friend Vander, like Brian Vander. Like Brian is a successful you know, trader on, in Chicago. He's a finance guy and, and he's got a family and he's a very rich, fulfilling life. And he doesn't have a lot of time to create art. But like he hadn't created art in some months and we were kind of like... Saying, bro, like it's it's a bummer, and then he got a bug recently, and he started creating some art, and it looks beautiful. And it's like he has like he's doing that for his just for pure joy. Like, there's no commercial aspect to it. There's right. no like I'm not. He's not hoping to get signed by Marvel. 
But in that moment, creating the art meant something enough to him to do it, and it gave him joy, right? It's all that matters. Right. Yeah. Yeah. All right, moving on. That was a deep one. Yes. Um, this is a much less deep one. Hold on. Uh, sorry. Uh, my Slack does. Okay. John Pasolacqua. Hey! Fellow biker. He's a much better biker than I was actually doing this. But, uh, did Vince see the Bigfoot video from Colorado today? And if so, what are his thoughts? What? I'm guessing that's enough. I did not. Okay, you're going to have to look on that later. Okay. JJ wants to know, what are your favorite horror comics based on or inspired by movies? Okay, so he wants to know movie-based comics. Horror. Horror. Movie-based comics. The epic Nightbreed comic was really good. Yeah. The Evil Evil Dead comics have been pretty good. More often than not, right. Tony's is really Tony's, good. Yeah, yeah uh, Army of Darkness yeah. forever. Creep it's out, it came out today. Creep show, that's a good one. Yes, the first, the original Creep show is great. We did a lot episode of that. Mr. Matthew Allison. Um, yes, jeez, there's um, the one that we're all forgetting is Walt Simonson's Alien. Very good. Mm-hmm. Right, which yeah. is horror sci-fi, but more horror than sci-fi, I think. Mm-hmm. Just a sci-fi setting. They tried to do things with like. Uh, Vampire. Oh, yeah. Phantasm. Yeah. I have a lot of Malibu um, Lovecraft books. Not very good. But, yeah, there's a lot of them. <laughs> I didn't Top say adapted, anything. Tops adapted uh, Coppola's Dracula. Yeah, I got a bone to pick with Coppola's Dracula. Maybe I'll get into it when I... When I, I mean, visually, it's a great-looking movie. Oh, oh, the movie. The, okay. the movie. Okay. There, there are some set pieces in that movie that are just gorgeous. But he fucked with the story. Oh, okay. Uh, maybe I'm a purist, but I don't know. <laughs> maybe. Yeah. Um, there's, there's. I mean, well, there's a lot of horror comics that. Right, that but they're based on movies, though. Yeah. Um, Mar- good Night of the Living Dead. No. Yeah, Avatar had a couple of good ones. Mm-hmm. I mean, on par with the original movie? No, no, no. but fun. Fun movie, fun comics. Reanimator. Yeah, the Reanimator. Um, I think that was Malibu too. Yeah. Or was it now? Could have been that. No, it's either now or Malibu, right? Um, all right, it's a good segue because I want to talk about Frankenstein. Let's do it. There you go. Creepy crawly season. Oh, Who man. am I to shun the festivities of Halloween? Right. I read. Um, the, the the official title of this book is Dracula X Frankenstein, but I've learned that you never say the X. Okay, I'll by family. Right, so it's Dracula Frankenstein. Okay, because it literally is two adaptations, one of Bram Stoker's Dracula and one of Mary Shelley's Frankenstein. Uh, the Dracula half is scripted by Michelle Montalione. The art is by Fabrizio del Dorades. The Frankenstein is scripted by Giulio Antonio Gualtieri. The art is by Francesco De Stena. If you can't tell, it's an Italian-led production for this. It's published by Alien Books and Fair Square Comics. It's going to be hard to uh, comment on these two works because they're very faithful to the source material. Okay. In the Dracula... 
half, you see Jonathan Harker escapes from Dracula's clutches. And um, the good thing about it is, and we've seen it in Jess Franco's Count Dracula, and some 20-odd years later in Coppola's version. That's why I wanted to talk about the Coppola version. Because one of the things Coppola got right is Dracula initially is old and craggy and withered. And when he ingests human blood, he, he de-ages. He, he becomes youthful in uh, retrospect to how much blood he consumes. That's in the book. That's awesome. But where Coppola got it wrong was... Dracula somehow saw a photo of Mina, which was Jonathan Harker's then fiance, and he, Mina looked like his dead wife who committed suicide when they told her that her husband had died in the war, which is bullshit. That's not why Dracula came to England. Dracula came to England to fuck with Jonathan Harker because Dracula's a prick. <laughs> no, he is. I mean, yeah. he's a, he's a great villain because he uses Lucy in the in the novel as like a blood bag. He just dines on her until he basically kills her, mm-hmm. and then he he went after Mina because he knew she she was attached to Jonathan, who had evaded his clutches. Mm-hmm. So he had a fucking bone to pick with Harker. In the movie, he comes to England to get Mina only because she looks like his dead wife, and it's like. Do you believe in reincarnation? I'm like, what? That's not in the book, dude. Why are you putting it in the movie? But anyway. This movie's not long enough as it is. But no, Dracula is a fucking monster. He is. He toys with people. Human life means nothing to Dracula. Mm -hmm. That's why to call the Frankenstein monster a monster, I think, it's not entirely accurate. He only gets fucking pissed off when Victor... Um, won't build him a woman. He starts, but then he's like, no, I'm done. And, and the monster's like, well, I want some kind of a life. I want to have something that's not filled with pain, make something that I can live with and share with. And Victor starts to do it, and he's like, no, the first one was an abomination. How can I be convinced that this second one won't be? And that's where everything goes to shit, and the monster kills Elizabeth and Victor's brother and but the, the whole thing is um, Victor like Icarus flew too close to the sun he, he was he had delusions of grandeur aspirations of greatness when Did he played Bride of Frankenstein mm, it's in the no the, the Bride of Frankenstein is a is a cinema construct oh yeah um, Victor did make a start making a, made a bride but he pulled out because he didn't want, and that's why the monster got pissed off. The movie's great; it's a classic, but that didn't happen. Um, but the cool thing about this book is, if you're if you love the source material, you'll love this book because they're extremely faithful. To like the 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 Frankenstein uh, book starts off with the the North Pole, and they they notice Victor on the on the on an ice floe. And they save him, and he's near death, and he's telling the captain of the ship what happened, and that's where all the flashbacks come to. So, and, and then Dracula, is, it, it's the same thing. Beautiful, um, gothic-tinged art. Like, this stuff is exceedingly bronze, it's bronze Age. It looks like it could have been done, like, 77, 78, around there. Um, which is why it clicked with me. It's all black and white. 
and uh, they don't take liberties with any of the source material. It's pretty much dead on. So if you if you like the the original novels, you'll love this book. The, I think the visuals are great. Um, Dracula is m- slightly more accomplished than Frankenstein. Frankenstein is a little um, a little on the surface sheen side, where the the Dracula is is all dark shadows and, and cobwebs and grit and. and uh, gritty line. It's it's great. Um, one of the things that I had to take issue was in the Dracula, the illustrator, which again is uh, Fabrizio de Dores, Dorades. Um, when Van Helsing comes, you've all seen the poster for The Exorcist, right? Mm-hmm. When Father Merrick is outside and the, the lamppost is shining the light on. When Van Helsing comes, he has him outside, and there's a lamppost. And I'm like, dude, if you're gonna crib an image, do not crib the Exorcist poster. Like, what the hell? But anyway, that 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 was the one transgression. But the the rest of it is freaking brilliant. Um, it's it's violent. It's not exceedingly gory. There's one nipple in it. When um, Dracula starts to dine on Lucy, we get to see a nipple, but that's. Um, it's, I think it's a mature-rated book, but I don't have it with me, so I can't confirm. It, it, it's not that bad. Uh, it's great. Um, 20 bucks for a couple hundred pages. Well worth your time. It's it's manga-sized, though. It's a little bit bigger than manga-sized. Oh, yeah, I, I, don't, I love these two books. If you ask me to pick which one is better, I wouldn't be able to tell you. Um, you know, Stoker or Shelley. Oh, okay. Depending on... The day I had, maybe I'd side with one, but I, I, I just love these two books. And uh, so, if you're gonna celebrate the uh, the Halloween season, what better way to do it with two of the absolute stone cold classics of the horror genre, Dracula and Frankenstein from uh, Alien Books and Fair Square? It is nice. it's wonderful. Okay. Yeah, it's dark as fuck. Only you brought it to the see Sorry. And and I just watched rewatched the Coppola the other day. There are some passages from the book that he gets dead a- dead on, like when Harker's in the carriage, and they're they're on the mountain pass, and he's looking over, and he's like, <gasps> and the wolves are chasing, like that's right from the book. But then there's other parts that he just like took liberties with that I. I'm not a purist, but when you shift Dracula's motivation from just plain out douchery. To trying to recapture a, a dead love, like that's that's not right. That's not what Bram Stoker intended. Yeah, he just Dracula's a motherfucker. He's one of the best villain, villains ever. Have you seen that new joint? The uh, the last the Demeter. I want to see that. Yeah, me too. The the Demeter is shown in the Dracula story, but only when it crashes. Okay. Um, yeah, and and another thing, Coppola did he made Renfield attached to the. To the real estate company that Harker worked yeah. for, like, fuck that. <laughs> no. Ren- no, Renfield, Renfield was... was Renfield? Yes. Nick, Nick is like, there's a renaissance of Nick Cage. Oh, sure. oh yeah, he's, he's on a... He's on a, he's on a he's super like, high. Yeah. 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 Uh, Renfield was uh, John Seward's patient at the asylum. Mm. He wasn't a real estate agent like, mm. that got... That got 
turned by a drag. Like, that doesn't make any sense. Do you yeah. ever bother with uh, what we do in the shadow? I've never seen that. It's on FX. Yeah. FX. Or Hulu stream. Oh, okay. I'll but watch it. it. It's, it's a comedy. Oh, but nice. it's, it's, it's about... Oh, about I saw the trailer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, with the Australian and English accents. Yeah. It's, it's a funny show. We've only watched for a couple episodes of the first season. It's been a But forever. some scenes in, in, in Coppola's movie, like when... Dracula is is chowing down on Lucy, and he's on top of the the mausoleum slab, and he's in the wolf form, and she's got the top open, and he's, he's got her hips up in there. Like that's a great scene. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I love that. And I like the fact that he Dracula fed the baby to the to the the, the wenches. That's straight out of the book. Yeah, that's a great scene too, and that's in this too. That's, okay. Yeah. I think that's necessary mm-hmm. to show just what animals they were. Shout out to Gary Oldman. Yeah. Good actor. Oh, for real. For real. Yeah. yeah. And the things that Coppola did. See, I'm, I'm praising it, but there's something. You're talking, you're the, the, I'm feeling a lot of love for this. The thing that yeah. he did with shadows, like when, when Harker was, was, was speaking and the Dracula shadow would be doing something, mm-hmm. but he's on the other side of the room and he's doing something completely different. And it's like, whoa, yeah. that's, that's really great. I yeah. like that a lot. Like it's, it's a visual tour de force. Sure. He just fucked with the, the book. Yeah, you don't fuck with the book. Isn't Monica Bellucci one of them? She is. Yeah. Monica yeah. Bellucci. When you think of Monica Bellucci, I think of two things, and they're both below her chin. Yeah, for sure. Right? For sure. Matrix, titties. Yeah. Dracula, yeah. titties. She's yeah. got a fine, fine Spectre. pair of titties. So She's a beautiful woman, too. She is. But yeah. those titties. Woo! For sure. All right. Moving on over. I may have lived my beautiful Oh. oh, here we go. What? what? Every week he says it. You know what, guys? I don't want to say this, but no, no, no. No, don't touch him. No, no. You don't. You can't touch him because I can't touch him from over guy? here. How about this guy? He texts me what, like a month ago, and be like, "Oh, you're all right. I don't know. He's not loving comics. Like I'm worried about you, like, right? Then all of a sudden, I'm loving comics. He's like, "This guy knows loving comics, so he's talking about comics." Like, this is what I get for caring about people, right? I'm saying which I should have never hit send. I, mean, I should be like, "Fuck that! I'm having a sandwich." Which is it though? Which is it? Do you want me to have passion, or do you want me to be like, eh, that was kind of complex. Is he, though? It's, is he human, or is he complex? He's human. <laughs> but it's okay if this week I read my comic of the year. But if I read See, we would comic, never be able to see that. If, if I, were, When he went to... Right. Like that. That was great. But now next week, if I read a comic, and I think it's... Then that just means last week's, as great as it was, yeah. this is it better. Just wasn't the best. No, I get it. I, I get it. Carefully, choose, I said I may have read. Oh, see, now that's that's your safety net. You know <laughs> what I'm going to say next week. No, you're going to read November. Months left. You the flying Graysons or you like Kip the uh, Wonder Pig? Like what are you? So now it's a problem. Like before was a problem that I said I read the, one of the times you. Now it's a problem that I, I'm hedging. What did you? <laughs> Can I talk about it? It looks great. Yeah, it's great. First of all, shout out to Brian Clark, because Brian Clark introduced, at least me, I think all of us, but me specifically, I think I can almost speak for you guys, onto the beauty of Judy Bach. Uh, oh, he, yeah. He was probably like two years ago now, said, hey, have you all read Julia? And I don't think really many of us have read it at the time, we weren't aware of it. He posted, you know, a little blurb about it, some images from the miniseries, and a bunch of us checked it out, and we're like, hooked. And then obviously Judy Bach's been a, he's been on a tear since, you know, Monkey Meat and the like, and talked about a bunch of stuff. So when T- yeah, when TKO was listing a graphic, an original graphic novel by him, it was no brainer for me. 
added to the fact that it is a Ruzmogaric novel focused on Captain Nemo. Mm. Not with the undersea. So this book uh, hit my inbox this uh, week. It's called uh, Mobilis, which is Latin for mobile. Gold foil. Yep, gold foil. Uh, blue hardcover, oversized. TK all out. Blue. Blue is my favorite color. Mine is too. Okay. But not blue. Like, just blue. Garden variety blue. That's not my favorite color. What is it? Terrible. Oh. Uh, this is called Mobilis, My Life with Captain Nemo. And it is written and drawn by Junie Bob. Um, as you can imagine from the title, it does it does involve Captain Nemo, but it's a totally different take on Nemo. Um, the premise is a young girl named Arona is in a like a sci-fi like stasis pod, you know, like 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 she's frozen in time. She's put in stasis and lost in the bottom of the ocean, just you know, sustaining. But That's not. Neat. Uh, and then along comes this ship who finds this pod and brings it inside. And lo and behold, it is nothing other than the Nautilus. And uh, we find the current state of of the Nautilus and Captain Nemo in a very different place than what we're used to from the literature. Um, in this part of his lifespan, he appears to be the only living person left on the Nautilus. Everyone else tending to the ship are uh, artificial constructs. So, like, the thing that finds that finds um, uh, the little girl, Arona, is a, uh, it looks like the um, the alien, uh, or the robot from, um, what's the old, uh, what's that old TV show? Let me show you the picture. Lost in Space? Yeah, Lost in Space. You know that robot? Uh, yeah, robot. Yeah, hold on. Is that the name of it? You know that robot? No, yeah, I, robot. I, I didn't yeah, the name was Robot. Here we go. So, like, uh, right? Like, that's kind of like Robot, right? A little bit. Yeah. It's got, it's got yeah, a, a little bit. It's got a brain I mean, inside of it. It has a little different. Yeah, it's yeah. got a brain inside of it. But this thing, it's sentient. Wow. And it, panels are huge. Yeah, it, so it finds a Rona and brings her in and brings her back to out of stasis. And she's, of course, vexed about what's going on. And the, 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 Robot's like, oh, you know, we're good. I brought you back, like, but you know, just so you know, um, you can't, like, the captain doesn't want to see you. So, I'm, like, we're good. Like, I'm gonna keep you on the ship, but don't don't bother the captain, right? And, and um, but but as as time goes on, she's she's interacting as a kid would, and having fun with the robot, and like just living her, her best life. But but she's curious, and, and eventually she ends up meeting up with Captain Nemo. And at first, he's very dismissive of her, but then he takes a liking to her and starts teaching her. So he starts teaching her things like geophysics, you know, uh, like, you know bi- biology, you know, math, history, um, and he basically starts training her to be his protege. Effectively. And as you go along, you realize that like this is the far flung future, and his whole his whole crew has died. Mom died. You know why he's alive is a mystery because he's like the great scientist. He's finding ways to sustain himself. But but um, but what she doesn't realize is that she was in stasis for like hundreds of years. So like not only is her is her family gone gone, but like the whole her whole knowledge of reality is like gone. Like, and the world has basically been destroyed, and the knowledge is just existing in the ocean, subsisting. But like Nemo, like Nemo, may, Nemo and her may be the only humans left. We don't know. But like he's not really like there's just no. And and it's really a story about how she kind of warms his heart. Like he's he, he over time comes to appreciate her and bring her into his life and explore the ocean and everything. Um, and then eventually, you know, because. Of the passage of time, Nemo eventually passes away, and she becomes the new Captain Nemo. The new, oh, the new shades Nemo. of of Alan Moore, exactly. Um, but the thing about this is, like, the art is just ridiculous. Like, Judy Ba is—I mean, I love his art, but like some of these panels and 
when I say this is maybe my favorite book, it's because this book is just it's it's like it was almost it was drawn for me, right? Like like she uh, he he creates a book about the deep sea, which of course I love, and Nemo, which I love. But he recrafts the Nautilus. Now, generally, the Nautilus is either drawn as like a futuristic submarine, or sometimes it's drawn like a uh, a giant squid. But look at what the Nautilus is drawn at in this book. Hold on here. Let me guess. It's a whale. It's a freaking whale, dude. It's a freaking whale. The Nautilus is a whale, which is like... My goodness. I mean, is that not perfect? I mean, here you go, here you go. Nautilus is a whale, right? Yeah, that's gorgeous. Yeah. So, Nautilus is a whale, which is awesome. Then, as he's teaching her history... You know, he's teaching her, like, ancient stuff, like, say, quantum physics. Oh, here's some, here's some, like, you know, they all think we're across, like, giant sea monsters when they're exploring the ocean, you know, for, which are really coolly rendered by Junie Bob. Um, but he comes across and he's teaching her, and at one point, he teaches her, and he says, he says, and, like, and he's, you know, he's teaching her all kinds of different things, and all of a sudden he says, I want to be liberated like the lions in Liberia, because recently my heart turned cold as Siberia, because everywhere I go, being cold is the criteria. And she says, which philosopher is that from? And he said, Fife. Fucking Fife Dog from Tribe Called Quest, people. And she's like, who's that? And he's like, Tribe Called Quest, question mark? Never heard of him. So he looks, his eyes widen, and the next panel is him putting her in a seat with headphones on, watching a video of the low-end theory. So not only is this book about Nemo in the ocean with a whale ship, but he treats Tribe Called Quest like one of the great philosopher groups of all time. Which I wouldn't even disagree with, and I'm like, this is just so beautiful and tailor-made it's, for me. This is going to be tough to beat. Yeah, and like, and then again, like the art is just, I mean, the, the, the seascapes, there's all these huge double-panel spreads, there's all these futuristic, like they, they explore the ocean in this robotic sort of deep-sea submarine suit um, that he eventually, at first he won't let her go on, but eventually he lets her pilot. And it's just a beautiful story, and it's rendered so wonderfully with such vivid colors. Um, it really looked. I mean, in this book, it looks a lot like um, like 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 James Heron to me, honestly, uh, in, in a lot of ways. Which you know, I mean that in, in the most complimentary way. Which is not to say that that Junie is derivative, but like, oh know, yeah, yeah, you know. So he's just got just this is so fun, and I just it struck such a chord with me. Um, and has heart. There's tons of great deep sea monsters, and they get into all kinds of action. Um, you can see like the color work is just fantastic. And I think, you know, Junie does the colors as well. So I just think it's a real triumph. For me, it's, I mean, I've enjoyed everything that Junie has done that I've read. But I will say for sure that this is the most, um, this is the clearest and most concise narrative that he's done. Um, you know, and like even here, like, so when they find her, she's in her pod. She's got a book of Peter Pan, like an old prose book. And that's like the only thing she has in her possession. And so at one point she's dreaming and she goes in the world of Peter Pan. And they render that in this beautiful fantasy way. It's just, I just think it's such a really thoughtful book. Everything is meticulously done. Um, each chapter kind of takes a different step. She ages throughout the book from she's, I'm guessing, eight or nine years old when they find her, and then you know she grows into a full, you know a young woman, probably in her late teens, early twenties, by the end of it. And um, yeah, I just it's it's really fantastic. And I would say like visually, if you're a fan of Heron or uh, that like anyone in that Mignola universe, you know, like like the, Miller, yeah, Miller, Mignola, like any of that, like you'll love this book visually. Um, I just think it was fantastic, and and definitely is is as you know a suitable. A suitable place along any of the the Nemo or Deep Sea adventures that have been done. I mean, it's a pretty. I think it's, you know, comics have taken a lot of stabs at, at that at this kind of story, but but to me, this is right up there with the best of them. So, um, and then the trade dress is just fantastic. I mean, TKO. Um, you know, we've talked about them over the years, but but generally, I thought of them as a you know they put out the single issues and then and then kind of 
in the past they had done traditional trades, like trade paperbacks. So I don't know if this is a new plan. I mean, this was a GN. This was not done in issues in the package. This was an original. I, I, I hope they're planning more of this because, again, this is oversized. It's it's beautiful. Uh, I I'm, I'm just a huge fan of that. I much prefer. This is my preferred way to read comics these days. So, uh, yeah, just massively awesome. Mobilis, My Life with Captain Nemo by Judy Bob. So, nice. Yeah. It looks great from over here. Yeah, I mean, truck called Quest, dude. Like, yeah. how, are you, how are you working that into the? That's that smart. What is that? Smart AI. Oh well, Vince was so uninterested in what I had to say. He went to the bathroom while I was talking. But dude, my. No, I'm kidding. No, what I was saying is Nemo's teaching her a bunch of stuff, and at one point he spits out a bunch of of. of of lyrics, effectively, but she's like, "Who? What philosopher said those?" And he's like, "Fife." <laughs> and then she sit, he sits her down and makes her, and he has her watch the low end theory. That's funny. The theory, yeah. That's nice. So, yeah. Oh, there you have it. Since uh, you were talking about being a purist, yeah. Um, there's one more issue to go, so I wasn't sure if I was going to speak on this tonight, but um. IDW has a miniseries from the Star Trek motion picture era. And I had high hopes because it's written by Mark Ugina. Ah. Illustrated by Oleg Chudikov. Colors by DC Alonzo. Um, there are parts of it that are pretty neat. So, so basically there's a... Uh, a spacecraft crosses paths with the Enterprise. And when the uh, the pilot gets on board Enterprise, when they pull the, uh, the ship into the, um, into the shuttle bay, the pilot attacks security and starts making their way through the corridors. They end up getting stopped. They try to take Spock hostage doesn't go well. They capture the pilot. They remove the pilot's helmet and she looks an awful lot like Uhura. Huh. And the reason she is here is because she is after someone who goes by the name of Acris. Acris looks an awful lot like Chekhov. Not that you would tell by the art because I don't know if the artist, if Oleg has ever seen Walter Cohen. Interesting. Oh, so that's a problem. Out. And if you don't see, if you don't that's know what Kenny looks like, it, it's you can't do a brother can't do a Google search. I, it's it's weird. It's lazy. It's it's. Yeah, you received you know, a script from an author, and they said, "Make this character look like Walter." Uh, is it Koenig or Koenig? Koenig. Koenig from uh, Star Trek. You would Google it. That's why I tell my yeah, kids yeah. all the time. If you don't know yeah, what I mean, you're right, like you don't want to necessarily do like the sort of photo reference, but you want to get some idea of what the exactly well, lazy. So there's there's some slight exaggerations. There's some there's now, some of the other bit. characters look right, right? Like Sulu, but uh, so 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 that's Kirk. Okay, I mean, let me see. Generic handsome guy. I mean, is it though? Right, right. No, I'm saying a generic handsome guy. Right. The only ones who really the the only ones who really look like who they look like are Spock, McCoy, because the ears. Yeah, yeah, you could say that. I'm gonna get this if I find it. Yeah, same. Oh, man, see, look at you. Um, so while the Enterprise has Uhura, who's a general in this from her universe, uh, the Romulans ended up capturing 
Acris. And he has a weapon called the Nightbringer, which is what Uhura is after. So the Romans are going to use that because they figure it's a weapon of war. So it's... It could be a pretty neat story. Unfortunately, there are moments where... And and apparently it's only Sulu, I guess, that he's not... He doesn't really have a handle on. Maybe he wrote it as if it was the Kelvin vs. John Cho version, but... Who kind of resembles Sulu a little bit. But but as far as... But but the dialogue is what... So there's... Um, Did you write this down? No. No, 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 no. I, I took oh. screen caps of the, of the pages. So um, Kirk has a plan, and Sulu is his captain. We've entered the Romulan the neutral zone. I figure we have a minute or so before they, you know, blow us up. Look what Sulu ever said. They never say you know. You know. Yeah. Yeah, the you know is like, there's no chance. And in the fourth issue. I don't think anyone on the bridge would say you know. On the fourth issue, Uhura flies away based on how the story's going. And, which is what, so, Kirk, Sulu, Chekhov, both Uhuras. Go towards the Romulan ship because they want to. She wants to capture Acris. They want to capture this this weapon that the Romulans are going to use. The group, the party gets separated. Uh, Kirk and General Uhura get left behind on the Romulan ship. The other three make it back to the Enterprise. Um, so General Uhura is going to the. Is going to enter the neutral zone to go after her prey, as Spock expected. So Sulu says, well, she did. It's flying away. You don't want to maybe go after her? And I'm like, I, it's, it's, it's the killing me. <laughs> yeah. But you're reading it, though. Yeah. Yeah, I'm bringing it. Yeah. Because, there's st- because even with this, I'm still digging the story. I'm, right. I'm, I'm digging the story, okay. and I mean... It's, and at this point, there's one more issue, so right, I might as well right, see right. where the how it, it ends. Out. Yeah, uh, but I just it's it's a bit of it's it's not one of I don't want to bring the room down. It's just not one of IDW's better Trek efforts after so many consecutive hits that they've done in recent years. This mm-hmm. one, and I don't know if it's if it's because it's you know the motion picture error. I don't know if it's the type of story. Um, I don't know if it's Guggenheim. But it, it, there's there's enough here where it, it it drags down a little bit, but not enough where I'm just like I I, I can't finish right. this. I'll I'll stick I'll stick with the last issue. But it's... I was at the shop a couple of weeks ago, and when the the mention of the IDW Star Trek books came up, and somebody I, I didn't know this person said, "Who's reading this stuff?" Huh. And I felt like saying, "I know somebody who's reading this stuff." Yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm not alone, but yeah, I am one of course, few. You. Yeah, but I mean, they live in this isolated little perspective fanboy bubble that they think, because they're not reading it, nobody's Nobody reading should it. be, right, right, exactly. Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. I mean, it is neat, because you have to, and you get the little call back to the mirror universe when they realize, you know, hey, there are other universes out there, and this isn't one that they've come across before. The Romulans are here, there's, you know, worry about the neutral zone, there's, there's political intrigue going on. But there are a couple of missteps. Mm-hmm. I think half of the stuff I read are te- is tethered to pop culture stuff available in a, in, a, in another medium. Like look at all the books I talk about: Rick and Morty, uh-huh. 
right? You can do it on a list. Like a lot of the stuff I read, mm-hmm. I don't want to say licensed books because that's not really applicable anymore. There right? it is. You think? Yeah, of course it is. Well, okay, licensed books. Transformers license? Yeah. yeah. Magic, license. Magic, magic is, I mean, well, well, I don't read that anymore. Uh, well, yeah, copy it. Right, right, right. But um, Turtles, like mm-hmm. uh, there's a lot, a lot of stuff. Um, this book is not licensed. And I think the auteur that created this series is a freaking genius. Stone Cold genius. No doubt in my mind. You also may be on the spectrum. You know what I'm talking about. Ed Pisker. Oh, okay. I finished Red Room. Well, uh-huh. and so did he, oddly enough. You mean oh. you finished Crypto Killers? The- That's the last. No more Red Room. Uh, issue four is the final issue. But um, I couldn't remember where I left off, so I went back and I read issues two, three, and four. Just because I didn't want to leave anything... Um, Dangling, mm-hmm. right? Um, unlike the other miniseries, Crypto Killers is basically an anthology. Each issue focuses on a different thing. Mm-hmm. And um, I gained the most enjoyment out of issue number three. Mm-hmm. I think it's one of... It may be Ed's finest issue hmm. of anything. Okay. Yeah. Um so I read Red Room, Crypto Killers with a Z, uh, two to four. But I really only want to talk about three. <laughs> it, it, there's a, a Quentin Tarantino analog called Q Tutoro. Oh, so. And he's a filmmaker. And he's a filmmaker. And he's schooling the feds. The feds have an elite Red Room task force. And he's schooling them on the history of the snuff film. And the red rooms, and I gotta give Piscor credit. We all knew this. It's a bit redundant to say this at this point, but when Piscor re- uh, researches something, his research is meticulous. Oh yeah, he goes deep. I mean, for sure. And he makes connections where there seemingly were none, mm-hmm. and it's amazing. Um, so this Tuturo, foul mouthed. He's talking uh, to these feds, and he starts with Edison, with the snuff film. And it goes through Buñuel with Unchien Andalou, right, with the razor mm-hmm. slashing the eyeball. Uh-huh. And then it, it trails into Richard Kuklinski, the Iceman killer. Uh, he goes into e- Italian exploitation films with Mondo Kane and Cannibal Holocaust. And it's, it's all just like ridiculously, m- meticulously researched. Um, but there's a break in, in the, the story where this Tuturo goes back to his, his crib and he hires a hooker to dress like Uma Thurman in the classic Kill Bill yellow and black. And he pays her to gobble on her feet. And he's like, what did you do? Did you wash your feet? He's like, I like it when there's a little bit of dirt on it. He's like, oh, and he's sucking on her toes and, and, and like, in effect, you know, doing, he's orally stimulating her big yeah. toe. And it's like, we all know that Tarantino has a foot fetish, mm-hmm. right? But when, when you see um, Pisker just, like, blatantly just, like, say, fuck you, Tarantino. Mm-hmm. I know where you live, right? This is 
this is my, it's a pastiche, it's a parody. But is it though? Right? Right. So, um, long story short, uh, the hooker coated her foot with a sedative. And yeah, just to, um, get Tarantino, uh, anesth- anesthetized, anesthetized. Knock, knock him out mm-hmm. because Poker Face Productions wants to oh, use boy. him to set up the visual look of their, their red rooms okay. to better compete with other mm-hmm. red rooms. Mm-hmm. And, uh, they want to overtake their, their competitors and it does not end well for, for Mr. Uh, Tuturo. No. Yeah. No. Yeah. There's a color strip in this issue. Um, Piscard takes on kids' comics, like kid gang comics. Okay. You know, there was a rage back in the day, mm-hmm. uh, but it's called The Latchkey Kids. Uh-huh. It's in full color. Okay. It's called License to Kill. And the, uh, the cute and cuddly latchkey kids mutilate and maim Bigfoot. They, they burn them alive and they blow away chunks of them in the process. Um, Later in, uh, earlier in, was it earlier on later in the series? No, because the fourth issue basically focuses on, um, Sarah Jane Payne, uh, a woman that was basically groomed for the Red Rooms. They, she, they force her into prostitution, they do plastic surgery on her, they keep her in a box and feed her shit. And, I mean, it's a feel-good story yes. all, all around. Uh, but one of the issues, um, Focuses on the incredibly brutal death of the crypto, cryptocurrency keeper, which was broadcast live on YouTube, if you can believe it. And there's commentary going like Piskard did before with the, with the commentary in the red rooms. And there's, there's, you know, viewers commenting like, Oh, this is the most fucking beautiful thing I've ever seen in my life. Well, somebody's getting their, their, their nose just like sheared off by a Bowie knife. But I, I think in retrospect, now that, that, um, Red Room is finished. I think Piscor embarked on a really courageous path with this stuff. Like he could have just done something reminiscent of hip hop family tree, like in a different, yeah, you know, genre or vein. But no, he focused on something that's not commercially viable. Like that, you the Red Rooms are not going to sell scads of copies like i don't think but because he was possessed by the desire to reach research this stuff and the the fact that uh he illustrates it in ridiculous detail like mm-hmm. they're extremely violent books oh yeah um i, I have a very very high tolerance for this yeah. stuff um one of my favorite films is necromantic that would curl mm-hmm. people's toes but there are par- points in the series where i'm just like Oh, oh yeah, he goes there. He goes man, there. did you didn't do that? Yeah. But I think ultimately what he's trying to say is human the human life has zero currency unless somebody of stature deems it valuable. Sure. And that's maybe that's a one note theme mm-hmm. to the red room, but I think it's a powerful theme, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like you, your life is worthless unless some schlub with clout says no we can use you as as uh you know uh scene dressing mm-hmm. and we'll make money off your your death like that's extremely disheartening and dark and uh depressing but that's what 
this is. That's mm-hmm. what Red Room is. It's, mm-hmm. it's an examination of how some human lives are worth far more than others. It's all about control and what kind of power you think you have. Right. And even the people with power. There's someone, always someone with more power yeah. than the powerful. And I just, I think he embarked on a, on a really brave course with this series. I think it's genius. I love it. Um, and, and, you know, if, when we see him, I'll tell him straight out. I think that the Tarantino issue is by far the best thing he's ever mm-hmm. done. Yeah. And he even gets the, you know how Tarantino has that goofy tooth thing where his lips go up and he's really thin lips. Like he nails it. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, doesn't matter. So yeah, Red Room is awesome. Mm. But I don't want to say it's not for everybody. I think that's pretty apparent. Oh yeah, yeah. Right? But it does something to me where it scratches that transgressive itch yeah. with me where I like to be shown stuff that I've never been sh- mm-hmm. seen, I've never seen before. Putting a woman in a box and, you know, feeding her shit w- while she begs, you know, you to, to, for attention. Like that's, it's it's insane. It's extremely dark. Yeah. I, I I can't see Ed coming out of this experience of creating these books not being a changed person. Interesting. Because he had to have researches. He, there's things right. that he's seen that have irrevocably changed him. Well, we know. I mean, Ed's a, Ed's a weird dude, right? Like, yeah, like, a spectrum, I think. But that's not. I'm not. No, saying, no, I'm no, not no. saying that he's. You know, like I like my daughter's that. definitely on the spectrum. Sure. Because she perceives things mm-hmm. in different. Un- in, in unique ways. I'm sure that he could... So I've heard some people... And, and let me be clear, I don't ascribe to this, what I'm about to say. But I've heard some people talk about this book and say that uh, it's a um, incel manifesto. Red Room. Yeah. Could be. And and when I say I don't ascribe to it, I bring it up because I don't think it's like an illogical thing to posit. Like, it'd certainly be the kind of thing I would think that... Uh, not that I really... At least I don't know that I know of any incels like well, but like based on the stereotype of what incel culture is like, like I could see this book being like wild, widely like adored by them. There is love in the book, though, yeah, and, no, and, and and there is yeah, no, there is well, yeah. there there are women that I don't want to say they come out of it unscathed, but they come out of it. I don't want to say better either. Right, right. But, but they, they come out of it socially and economically greater than they were yeah, before. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think your point is exactly right, though. Like, and we've talked about this before. You know, Ed, like, it, whether it's WYSIWYG or Hip Hop Family Tree or, or the X-Men or, or this, like, he is meticulously dedicated. He devours to data. Just know? devours it. Um, and, and, and I... I mean, I've always been a fan of Ed's work. For a long time, I was a fan of Ed. You know, Ed kind of big time just in recent years. I mean, whatever. No, no, no. Whatever. It's, it's true. It's true it, right? so, it is true, but but I, I'm 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 separating the the, no, the art from the art. No, that's what I'm saying. But I'm yeah. saying so like so like you know there was a time you know where literally he thanked us for helping him you know sell Hip Hop Family Tree move units. Yeah. yeah. Um, but to your point, I mean, I. I but I'll always support his work because I think he's, he's yeah. a, he is. And one of the things that, you know, we've talked about this a lot, like as we got older and we've read a lot of comics, like for me, the things, and it's not just for me, it's comics, for music, prose, movies, TV. I'm at a point in my life where like, it's like a lot of things when I start watching them or reading them or consuming them feel familiar. 
and, it, and that's a turnoff to me. It's like I've, I've like I've seen, even if it's dwelled on, like I've got, like I know yeah. where we're going with this. I've seen it, um, and and so I get really turned on by things that that I feel are not something I've seen before or experienced before. Sure, and uh, and I feel like Ed's always got the chance of giving me that. Like like with whatever. You've never seen game. anything like yeah. Red Room. No. So I mean, I will always give him props for that. Like whatever he does next, and like I, you know, Ed's the kind of weird. Like he like wouldn't you be surprised if he does like a romance comic? Right, or like right, because it's unexpected, or, or like a yeah, you know, or like a superhero comic, just because like he's never like it's just it wouldn't it wouldn't be. But the, the thing know. like like Barbara Gordon, like Oracle, you can look at all the screens mm-hmm. and you can absorb all the data, but there's a it's a rare individual that can see the equation going on behind everything. Mm-hmm. That's Ed Pisker. Mm-hmm. He 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 absorbs all this data. And he can make the connections and piece them together in a way that not only makes sense, but I think are kind of revolutionary, mm-hmm. right? That's how many people can do that? How many people that we know that make comics can do that? Yeah. Alan Moore, yeah, right. I mean, I'm not, I'm not going to elevate Pisker to the to, to the stature right. of Alan no, Moore. Like, come on, let's be real. Yeah, but he he's he is like X fifty one. He can translate the data into forms that makes sense and are logical and he uncovers connections that you didn't think were there but holy shit Mm -hmm. like edison and the snuff hill it's there Mm -hmm. the the fucking connections are there i i I, and i was wondering initially like when i read the first issue of red room like why is gary publishing this what does he know about this series that prompted him to green light because fantagraphics isn't a huge publisher there's only a limited amount of resources they have and to, to devote x amount of it to ed pisker's hyper violent well as i understand it i mean i think that was because they have to super relationship with it already right like they did hip hop on tree right so. and and i'm sure ed just sat him down and said look here's what i'm trying to do with this this is the big yeah. the long yeah. the long game i get it but as a, as an outsider looking in Fanographics has never published anything like Red Room mm-hmm. prior to this. Which would argue that's the answer to your your question, right? Like, why would he do it? Because it's something. It was a risk. My though. dude hasn't done before. This could have blown up in Ed's face. Like, if if people weren't didn't didn't make the connection that this isn't a glorification of violence, no. or is it though? Like, right? It like, is. It, I mean, like in the sense that, like, you know, there's it's, but. It is, okay, it is a glorification. He's not endorsing it, like saying go out and do it. But I mean, he's not—he's not making it out to be this reviling historical account of it. Like, how could this have ever happened? Right. It—it it is more violent than Prison Pit, and I was like, that's yeah. a—that's a—that's a huge get. For, yeah. Like, if yeah. you're talking, it, it is—it is extremely graphic. I don't—I don't think I've seen a more. I don't think I've seen the human body dismembered in such yeah. fashion before. And it's like, yeah, I mean, that's why, I mean, you know, you talking about that third issue makes me think, oh, maybe, cause like for me, I read the, the first series and thought, okay, I know I'm good. Like not, and again, I enjoyed what I read, but it's just like, I got, I felt like I got his point. Yeah. Like, and I was like, okay, well I don't need to read another bunch of issues of this. Cause I think I, I get the point he's made. Like, I don't think he's going to make a new point. Maybe I gave him short trip there. I don't know. Um, well, I think I mean, if you've read the first yeah. arc, the only thing you need to know is what I I talked about prior to this that the cannibal killer, his daughter Brittany, mm-hmm. she received a huge windfall. Like she is a multi 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 millionaire. Right. She's like two hundred fifty million dollars 
richer because well, her father may be worth seven hundred eighty million now. By the time they're done listening to this, if they want the Powerball tonight, who knows? Yeah, her father left her a, a shit ton of of digital currency. Nice. Yeah, that's all you need to know. Yeah, but she's basically the only one that came. One of the only ones that came out of. Right. Yeah, I can't think of any other one that right. came out of it. At least in terms of you know finances and 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 uh, social standing, better than she was before. I mean, yeah, she's scarred because her father was a fucking cannibal killer. But one thing that I think that's interesting with like all those guys that are doing the indie scene these days, whether it be him or Rug or you know or, uh, Tommy or, or Ben Mara, like like yeah. any, like is there just almost like impenetrable confidence in their value of their own stories? Have to. Yeah, but, like, it's impressive to me, right? Because, yeah. like, a lot of their stories, maybe not Ed as much because he obviously puts up, like, a lot of their stories are not particularly, like, deep, right? Like, like... It, yeah, that last Mara wasn't, but he didn't write it. No, that's different. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. But, but like, but but they just have unending confidence in their ability to tell the story. And it's uh, it's impressive, right? Like whatever, I think so. Whatever, yeah. whatever your lot in life is, whatever your craft is, like, you probably have some ability to, to channel the idea of like being infinitely confident in what you do, right? Like, or, or aspire to that. And that's like, I'm always impressed with that. It's like, oh, they just like they're just ready. Like they, they are who they are, and they're they're going to put it out there. Like, right. they don't, you know, those are the true guys. Those are the, yeah. the guys that are real. Yeah. yeah, there's guys that are just doing it to get a another gig at, at one of the major publishers. But these guys don't care about that. Yeah, yeah, and that's great. I, that that's that's an, extremely endearing to me. Statue next tattoo. He's gonna get crypto killer tattoo. Nah, it's I. So this series though, I love it. Yeah, it, it's it's wonderful. It's wonderful. Dab is as quiet now as you are when we talk about like. like Sorry. Like, like, yeah, like, you didn't like, click with. Like, I didn't expect you like to click. Slice of life comics. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's not your thing. No, I have not tried. Yeah. So yeah, um, Pisker, crypto killers. Red Room is done. Uh, very very curious to see what Ed does next. It's gonna be hard to top this for me. Yeah. Okay. Well, there you go. I mean, it's, you know, for me, nothing's ever going to top people coming trees. Well, yeah. that's one hundred percent in your wheelhouse. Yeah. Exactly. exactly. All right. You want to bring it on home? Yeah, let's bring it home. We're going to be brought out bushy tail tomorrow. We got we got to we got to be have our energy up. We're going to spend some money. Got to hit the commissary. Spend some money. Got to go get some good good foods. Yeah. See some friends. Can't wait. To all the people out here listening, if you if you're on the way to the con, make sure you, if you see us, say hi. I mean, if we see you, we'll say hi, too. But if we don't know you yet, by all means, make sure you say hi to us. Nice. Don't be scared of Vince. What? Yeah, don't be scared of Vince. He's he's a brooding... Teddy bear. Big old Sicilian fellow. I mean, we're, we are a... I mean, physically speaking, we are a large group. Like, we're all, you know, six foot plus. And no, I'm not six foot. You're not? 5'11". Oh, yeah. 5'10", 5'11", around there. It's Depending on my, my level of excitement... Hey, everybody, this episode has been brought to you by CheapGraphicNovels.com. If you want to save, and who doesn't, go over there because you will save on omnibus editions, trade paperbacks, manga, all that stuff with a spine. Remember, Nick and Dent sale, huge savings, even more savings. You're going to receive an email confirmation to your first order. You're going to reply to that email saying, 11 o'clock comic sent me, and you will be gifted with free shipping on your next order. It is absolutely insane. Remember, check out our Patreon, patreon.com forward slash 11 o'clock comics. Audio, video, polls, pages, downloads, 
it is the place to be, and it's only going to get better because we're we're going to retool it very very soon. Go there. Um, maybe Dap and I can tag team on this one because um, Wonder of Wonders. I read a DC book. Did I think it was possible? Well, with this creative team, sure. I read two DC books, but I will not talk about the other one. <laughs> um, this is written by Robert Venditti, illustrated by Riley Rosmo. And I was paging through the issue, and the cash register in my brain, when it got to that page with the JSA, it was like, ka-ching! Um, cover by Yvonne Placencia. It is called Wesley Dodds, the Sandman, number one. I think it's very faithful to the work of, of Matt Wagner. Yeah, it, it's, uh, it, it, it very much is. If you've read Santa Mystery Theater. Which you all should have because we did a book of the month on it. The, uh, the players are all going to be familiar with you. It's not a, you know, it's, it's hitting the ground running. You're not, it, it, it's not the origin story. You're not, you not, not heavy lifting at all. Basics. No. It's just, it's, it's the Sandman. Dealing with what he needs to deal with, Wesley is trying to. Wesley's actually attempting to maybe even put being the Sandman on the shelf a little bit, so he can use his inventions, his chemicals, to make warfare a little less deadly. He wants to humanize war, yeah, and and use unlethal measures to uh, on on the battlefield. Yeah, non-lethal. What did I say? On. On lethal. Six one. It's a it's fake <laughs> word. It's a fake word. It's <laughs> non-lethal. Non-lethal measures to... uh uh lim- Star Trek. Yeah, to, to at least squelch the enemy, not not eliminate them. And and the the one of the 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 things in this issue that really uh, resonated with me was that the the war pig was like ah that's not how it works yeah we're gonna you know, put we're, those we're we're that killing people yeah, yeah, yeah kill them and just leave them yeah whatever um, but uh, it's 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 a great issue but I think the for me the the equation is not balanced because I, I while I enjoyed the story. It's very simple. I mean, Wesley just, he's, he lives in fear. He wants to stop being the Sandman and maybe concentrate on things that can help humanity on a, on a large scale. Um, and then you have somebody breaking into the Dodds Manor, uh, and stealing his, uh, his journal. And then they set the place on fire. Not a whole lot of heavy lifting, but you get everything you need to know. Wesley Dodds loves, uh, Diane Belmont and, and she, him. Um, Humphreys was great, the butler. I thought he had, he had a lot of, uh, uh, but he's cast from the Alfred it mode. His wood carvings. Yeah. Um, the, one of the neat things was in the, in, in the beginning of the issue, um, Sandman brings down, uh, a killer crook called Robert Rossi. And in doing so, he fuels the legal system, uh, of which Diane's father, Larry Lawrence, uh, is the DA. He fuels the, the, the legal machine, the justice machine, let's call it, for all, an entire year just for bringing in this guy. He coaxes him with the gas and makes him, you know, fess up and, and, and reveal his connection. So it gives them a lot of um, uh, leads on uh, squelching future, you know, crimes and taking out people that perpetuate said things. But uh, that, that equation is, is out of balance because 
Wiley Rossmo's just his art is just phenomenal. You know, I was thinking about it. He's become, I mean, one of DC's go-to artists. I mean, he's been at he's DC done. now regularly every month for what seven, eight years now. I feel like yeah, he's done. Hasn't been that long. Yeah. yeah, but it's atypical. Like he does not have a style that should be commercially viable. It's just that he, he transformed the the commercial arena to accept his style. Like when you yeah. look at it's like Scotty. Scotty didn't have a commercial style sure. to begin with, but as everybody's like, "Holy shit, look at this Scotty yeah. Young guy!" And then everything is transformed in his wake. I think Riley's the same way. Mm-hmm. That he, there, there's there's a, a grotesque edge to to Riley's style. That that um, there's also a very cute edge to it I too. So it's a balance of the two, but I mean, yeah, you saw that on on uh, Harley Quinn. Things are cartoonishly exactly. Yeah, it's yeah. Like that but European cartoon. You look at his his architecture and his his uh, the fashion design and in, in the issue, like just holy shit! Like, mm-hmm. what are you doing? You're amazing. Yeah, the way clothing flows. Yeah, yeah, it's ridiculous. So yeah, I thought this issue was a winner. Uh, Wesley Dodd, Sandman number one. I agree completely. Uh, I, I, I liked it a lot. I, if I had oh, a, knit. a knit to pick. Oh, he has a knit. It's too what's, short. What's the knit? Oh. Well, I mean, it ends, it, it ends on a pretty severe cliffhanger and, and, and it's, uh. Well, the fire. Yeah. And, but before the fire is, is, uh, is set, um, the, uh, the infiltrator obviously knows who Wesley Dodds, or they will, because they took the journal or the. the but the, they the they found the gas masks, yeah, and the trench coats. Um, so, yeah, it's it's somebody who whether or not it was someone who was who deliberately knew what he was doing or just stumbled because I mean. He, I mean, I'm looking at this image, and and there's there's shades of like the old school Manhunters, the the Android Man. I mean, that's not who it is, obviously, because it's the 30s, but or the 40s, but it is it's it's, it's the 30s. Um, but just in in shadows, the way the the face looks with the neck, it, it there's a, a the legacy Android. aspect to it too, uh, conceptually, that Wesley's father was in World War One. And he saw the Germans using chemical warfare yep. against uh, their enemy, and so that may be one of the reasons, the yeah, why Wesley not only uses chemicals but uses you know non-lethal chemicals. And I, I think it was a neat touch. He's still, I mean, Wesley is still kind of he's feeling some kind of he's remorseful afraid. over the over the fact that these rats. Had to give up their life because his his experiments yeah, didn't go away. So it, it's he's he is he's, he's truly caring for for living creatures, yeah. but it, it's he's it, it's cut from the same mean. cloth as Sandman Mystery Theater without being a pastiche of it. Mm-hmm. Like it takes a lot of the raw material from that series and just takes it somewhere different. Yeah. And 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 Wesley also points out the. Uh, the discrepancies that the economy between the haves and have-nots, how you have these these guys mugging some dude from the shipyard because it's payday because everybody's got to eat. Meanwhile, two blocks over, all the fat cats are living large yeah. and, and the social gala. And, yeah, and, and Diane's so, like, that's just the way it works, dude. Yeah. It's like She's she's, she's a realist, yeah. yeah. So she's a real 
And, and Rosmo's Diane is far more attractive than Guy Davis's Diane. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's okay. But yeah, yeah. Not to say that Guy Davis's wasn't attractive. In a, definitely recommend the in your travels. Way. Check it out for sure. She's got a nice personality. <laughs> Um, in your travels, I'm not going to take too long on this one because this book was well covered by my man Dap some time ago when it first came out. Um, but I got around to reading it uh, this past week, and that is Paris by uh, Andy Watson and Simon Gain. As I said, Dap gave a uh, a lovingly uh, detailed review of this uh, back when he read it. Um, I not too long ago talked about read the follow up. Same team here did a book called Sunburn, which uh, took place in Greece. This book, as you can imagine, since it's called Paris, took place in Paris. Uh, it's set in the 1950s, and uh, again, I won't go too deep in the recap, but it's a, it's a romance book about a, a young artist named Juliet, an American who comes to Paris to study art. She's not wealthy, though, and um, so to part of the way that she pays for her uh, her education here at the Institute is to uh, do commission work that her professors turn her on to, and it helps offset her tuition. And she's been commissioned to do a painting of a young woman named Deborah, who is a, um, you know, a, a debutante of, like, a really wealthy aristocratic family who's very prim and proper. And, uh, you know, Deborah's like any of these. She wants to see more of the, of the, of the of Paris, wants to see more of the world, wants to have more experiences, but she's very henpecked and um, controlled. And, and at the same time, Juliet wants to experience more, but she's poor, and it's a hard struggle for her to really have the money or time to do the things she wants to do and you know they get their lives get intertwined and then um, and then you know romance ensues over time you know between them and others and uh, it's a really well done book and it's 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 it, you know it reminded me a lot of like a one act play like or like a where, where it's it's four or five people on, on screen for most of the time it's not a broadcast with a complex plot it's just these two women and a few of their close friends and family that interact with each other over the course of the book and um, you know, it's just really well executed. It's a, it's a really well done, I think, romance comic. Um, and I know I showed Dap when he got here, uh, cause I think he had read the digital copy when it was provided to us by image some time ago. So he hadn't seen the physical copy, but it's got like this really nice, uh, like, like, like yellowish wash over the pages, which, uh, kind of gave it like an aged feel, even though it's a, a you know, a modern comic. So, um, and I really dig, I, I dig Gaines art style very much. It works for me. So, yeah, uh, just recapping, basically, you know, again, it's a second thumb up for, for this book if you're a fan of, like, romance comics, and, you know, there aren't too many of those out there these days. This is definitely one. And I'll just be blunt with you. I, I enjoyed this more than I did Sunburn, because yep. Sunburn has like, a, Same. has, like, a negative, not a negative vibe, but it has, like, sort of a more of a sardonic take on romance and how maybe, like, it's not all it's cracked up to be, and this is a little bit more pure, sort of, like, you no know, romance can overcome a lot of other things in life, so um, I kind of prefer that vibe to the... To the sunburn vibe, but uh, which is not sad. I didn't like that book. I very much did, but uh, yeah. So two thumbs up for Paris uh, by uh, by Gain and Watson. Simon Gain had an awesome run on Godzilla for IDW. Oh yeah, great run. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know we, we we finally picked this up at Jason's, but we got to thank Tony again yeah, yeah. for giving us the uh, the viz. Mm-hmm. Annual for 2023. It is a great looking book, man. It's yeah, massive. Here. And while while you're bringing up Tony, yeah. um, I'm glad you mentioned it because uh, he and his crew uh, did. Uh, they had a, on their podcast. They had an interview, like an hour and a half interview with Terry Moore, 
uh, last week. And I have to say, um, you know, I've been a fan of Terry's for a long time. I don't recall, and you know, Terry was on CGS a time or two. Like, I know he's done podcasts before. But I really felt like this conversation was the, the most interesting I've ever heard of it because it was just kind of like they had the conversation. I mean, kind of like how we do. Like, it just was a, they didn't, no, I mean, it wasn't like a, I mean, it wasn't like an ad, like they just talked to him like another human being. Yeah. And, and he was very honest about his craft and how he got started and, and, and uh, you know, kind of looking behind the scenes of it. And, and, and the, it was interesting to hear his like thoughts on the, the craft of it, like doing it to make a living and the, the process of which that requires and the discipline of like putting something out versus like the creative things you know mm-hmm. that we probably more take from it and uh i thought it was just a great conversation and um you know uh it's episode 430 of their podcast which is the awesome comics podcast and uh you know i think you should listen to the podcast in general it's a fun show but but in particular i really did think they they they, they had a really standout episode with the terry chat so true that all right, everybody. Hey, we're out of here. Thank you for listening. If you're going to New York Comic Con, like Jason said, if you see us, come on up to us. We'll give you a big old hug. In the meantime, read some comics, talk about them. Read, uh, yeah, love your loved ones, pet your pets. I don't know. Drink some good shit and say good night. <laughs> Shout out to all of our friends and relations in Israel. It's a tough situation right now. Very close to home for my firm, as you can imagine. So, you know, much love to all of you out there and yeah, affected by that. David. Good night. Ladies and gentlemen, playing at home, he is not looking at his watch at all. He's got a haptic feedback set, though. So, <laughs> so you're saying he's a robot? No, it's going to, like, buzz him. And he's already missed it. He's already done nope. this. No, he hasn't. Yeah, yeah. No, no, I don't think so. Yeah, no. You guys are both too turned. No, no. Titty. There you go. All right, everybody, we're out of here. Tell them you love them for real. Yeah, we love you for real. Hope to see some of you tomorrow. For real, for real. Thank you, Tony. I love this book so much. Word up. A word. Yes. I'm pissed that Tony's not going to be there, though. For real. None of them are? No, nah, they went. They did because they did Baltimore. They did Baltimore. Oh, well, because, okay. Uh, what, what's the what's uh, Cliff? No, the the publisher. Uh, no, bro. Yeah, no, bro. Thank you. Because uh, no, bro. I thought you were going to say because Baltimore's that makes a whole lot of show, sense. So. But Cliff is your last. Cliff should still be there. I love Cliff. I love Cliff. Adam. I love them all. Yeah, yeah. They're good chaps. They yep. really, really are. Yes. All right, we're out of here. Later, boy. That's it for that one.